Hello and welcome to another edition of WENK, the weekly AEW News Kick. I am your host, as always, Tom Simpson. I am joined by my good friend Patrick. Hello, Patrick. Hello, good to be back. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yourself? Oh, that's good. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. It's cool, very cool, hot. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. it's, it's uh, very, really, like, how do you say, like, really chilly here. Chilly is the wrong word, but compared to you, it's chilly here in Iceland for us, yeah. Mm. Although I'm wearing a t-shirt because for Icelandic terms, it's warm, so. And you may have just noticed Patrick say us there. We are, it's because we are joined and Patrick is joined in his, his home, or are you at Hugh's? Yeah, we are at his home. At his home. <laughs> We're by, by Hugh, you may hear that voice again. The old yeah. Familiar. Voice of, um, of, I've forgotten the name of your podcast. Is it terrible? I just Western Bias. The Western Bias. You've podcast. said it enough. God. Yeah. yeah sorry about sorry, that. I'll say it like four more times before the end of the show. <laughs> so it's cool. Indeed, you will. Um, yeah. Uh, usually like to start off the show with just a little chat. It, like I said, it's been very hot here. And not so hot there, you're, you're, you're telling me. No, it's like 13 degrees at the max. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sounds lovely right now. That's really cool. Yeah. Iceland doesn't really get hot, hot, to be honest. Well, at least Reykjavik doesn't. Do you know <laughs> off the top of your head what, like, the record is or something? No, but I know up north it gets up to, like, 30 degrees. Yeah, it was, in, like, two yeah. weeks ago, it was 27 in the east. Yeah, and in north it gets down to, like, minus 15 as well. It's weird that it's the north that's, because you'd think close to the poles or whatever. It'd be, yeah. yeah. Where all the ice is, it'd be colder. But it's, it's with the winds also, like, uh, and, uh, yeah... The different winds, the, the how do you say the passage winds, yeah. something like this. I'm not not that good in geography anymore, or like from these terms, but uh, yeah, science, man. Science. Basically, basically, Iceland's got a good climate because of a, a Gulf Stream and some winds and stuff. Yeah, it's and, why it's rainy here as well because yeah. it picks up all the cold air from Canada. Gets the air first. That's why it's so cold in Canada because they got all the cold air from. But then it goes across the Atlantic and up through Africa, and then it all melts. And then it, when it comes over the UK, it rains. So yeah, yeah the interesting yeah. thing is like Reykjavik, although the the capital area is surrounded by like a mountain range, mm-hmm. so we have like a very moderate climate and very yeah. constant here. But outside of it, it it gets more like more extreme, like you said before. Here it's very like it's it's not stagnating so much. Not extreme enough to film. Extreme Game of enough. And they had to go. That's to, yeah. to Greenland for that. Yeah, yeah right. That's actually yeah. funny though, because Greenland has like, a, it's not that far away. I think if you put went point to point, it's not yeah. that far. No, not but because it doesn't have any of the the winds or the streams, it's fucking freezing all the time. <laughs> like it's just not in the Gulf Stream, so it's just. Yeah, it's just got way worse weather, basically. Greenland's <laughs> massive. Imagine the superpower they could be if they melted all that ice. <laughs> Pesky yeah. ice. So, so <laughs> I actually went to the Arctic Circle Conference in 2015, and their entire thing was saying, we're melting, so you can mine in us, basically. <laughs> they said, once the sheet's gone, essentially you can find loads of precious metals underneath the ice, so just do it. Like, who, is it, who, is it that's, who is it that kind of owns Greenland, Norway or Denmark? Denmark. 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 Yeah, yeah. Okay, Stage. so... So and apparently, like a few weeks ago, some scientists made it public that they believe, and a lot of scientists back that up, and they are now uh, working into that, looking into that, that Iceland and Greenland are on their own continent, because the continental plates are like so thick at these points here, that it more looks like it's an own continent. Crazy. Yeah. Well, 100 years when all the ice ice is melted, there you go, Denmark will be be the big power in the world once they got all the oil. That's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, the thing I'm is, sure. like, Gre- Greenland would be like a donut with loads of water in the middle. 
I want like, to see that. I'm, yeah. You know, if the world's going to end, I want to see some donuts. Yeah, you want to see it. Yeah. Some giant yeah, you donuts. can already see some floods where I come from in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. And so in Edinburgh, I think, still. Yeah. It's really speaking crazy of, there. Speaking of giant donuts, should we talk about a show that has QT Marshall on? <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect transition. <laughs> yes, it was. Thank you. He's a great donut. Yes, it is Fighter Fest. Do do you? I just got a question for you guys just before we get started. Do you, how long do you think that name is going to be around, Fighter Fest? Because it was a parody of Fire Fest, even down to the spelling and the logo. And at some point, that's got to be outdated, right? But it seems to be like a an annual thing now. I mean, I don't know, and I would say it's not a great name. No, yeah, because at some point, fine. like people are going to at some point people are going to forget Fighter Fest yeah. and uh, fi- sorry Fire Fest, and people are going to be like, why is it spelled with a Y? That's the yeah, name, yeah. Like, and people won't yeah. get the reference anymore. They'll have to call it like Burning Man or something <laughs> <laughs> with a Y, Burning Man, yeah. Burning Man, <laughs> or a Burning Man with an U, like German U. In yeah. <laughs> but the thing also with the Fighter Fest, like a second point where it's like a little out of out of touch is like because it was at the CEO Festival, which is like a virtual fighter fest you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah. so, it, so it worked yeah double reference w- worked there but now when you're just touring it's just like where does it come from so it's Do you remember when you're asking alex jabaley had a match with michael, michael Nakazawa. Nakazawa. yeah <laughs> so like oh my god one of what? the low points of aw really and it was like yeah. the third match of the night and i just went no i, I swear it was the first i swear it was like the pre-show it was like the first yeah no match. sorry it was i think it was the last match of the pre-show or something like that yeah. and i was just like why is this happening and why did they yeah. film it <laughs> like Nakazawa I don't know it. yeah <laughs> that was the point where like okay Nakazawa's gimmick is not used properly yeah because my Nakazawa's a pretty good wrestler and he seems to just be like he seems happy with doing that stuff basically <laughs> like, it's uh knacks in Japan they're not um, they, they, they have a thing of not being utilized properly because obviously, Na- well, Nakazawa, no, sorry, Nakamura is uh, not particularly being used well in WWE. And um, there is another Nakamura, there's Kaigo Nakamura in DDT, and his gimmick is just that he always loses. So, and he's actually quite a good wrestler. So, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's the curse of Nak. Yeah, right. Anyway. The curse of Mac. What, what about Kai and Tai, though? <laughs> Can we sing it to Return of the Mac? The curse of the Mac. I, I actually <laughs> might have that on my soundboard. Oh, nice. Nice. We've got a soundboard. Yes. yes. I've, got, I've got my soundboard. Although, unfortunately, that was on the soundboard on my desktop. I'm on my laptop, ah, so okay. I don't have it. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I've got I your hopes up. I want to get one for, for my podcast, just, just mostly to annoy Mauricio. I'll do it just he's talking so I'll just fun. go cunt I just want the one that <laughs> yeah. just goes cunt <laughs> uh, right so let's uh, first up we had the IWGP US title match starting with a strong one uh, between John Moxley and Carl Anderson so the first thing I noticed was that Machine Gun Carl Anderson didn't have any uh, any machine gun sound effects and he just did the taunt without them which was a little <laughs> disappointing but well no the first thing I noticed was the big crowd pop for Moxley to be honest um, so good to have the crowd back and the full crowd this time um, I'll just give you my play by play so before the match even started uh, Eddie attacked Doc Gallows on the outside with a pipe I've written down Pope on my notes but that would have been much more interesting <laughs> Then uh, they start trading strikes, they being the men in the match, John Moxley and Carl Anderson. Moxley sends Anderson to the outside after voluntarily eating some strikes. He was like, yeah, give me more, give me more, kind of begging for them sort of thing. 
Mox attempts a suplex onto the ramp, but Anderson hits one on him instead. Uh, after some brawling on the outside, Machine Gun Kyle Anderson hits a cutter on the ropes, like onto off the. Oh, was it on the ropes or off the ropes? We'll never know. Um, and then a follows it up with a kick and a two count after hitting a spinebuster. Anderson heads up to the top rope, but Mox catches him, rakes his back, bites him, and hits the big one, the superplex from the top. We saw a few superplexes tonight, actually. This one was actually from the second rope, I believe. Um, Kyle Anderson hits a boot, and uh, Moxley hits a German suplex. Anderson attempts the gun stun, but both men take each other down with uh, successive clotheslines. So they double close on each other, they double close on each other again, and after that they stay down for a while. John Moxley locks in the sleeper. He attempts the pile driver, but Anderson battles out. And then Carl Anderson actually hit a rather shaky, scary kind of looking uh, pile driver of his own, to be honest. Um, but it was a two count. Uh, he hits the cutter off the second rope. Moxley attempts a uh, paradigm shift, um, but he, he uh, sorry, Carl Anderson battles out. Uh, hits the gun stun. But uh, Moxley manages to roll to the ropes. And um, at this point, uh, there was a TKO by Kyle Anderson. In fact, he's hitting every variety of cutter in this match. And then um, he attempts his finisher from the top rope, attempts his gun stun from the top rope. But Moxley hits him with a clothesline. And uh, then I believe he, he managed to get the paradigm shift in for the win. I just about made it through that. Apparently... Doing a play-by-play -play in this heat makes me terrible at this. Um, somebody else talked for a while. How about you, Patrick? What did you make of this match? I really loved it. <clears throat> also, to have uh, the machine gun gimmick bag or have it also like as an NJPW match is what I like that uh, uh, Excalibur said in the beginning that it's contested on the New Japan rules and explained the rules quite quickly, but I like that. It seemed to, it seemed to confuse it seemed to confuse the crowd a bit because they were counting to the ten with, yeah, with because the and they were like it. <laughs> they were like and they, they were like seven eight nine ten <laughs> <laughs> and then it just uh, and they just fizzled out the counting yeah right they they should have to, uh, let the crowd know also I guess but uh, that's yeah, that's one one of their persistent flaws is actually not explaining match rules to people either yeah. at home yeah. or in the crowd. Yeah, that's really what they do. Like, especially what was it last week? The Texas Borough match. Yeah, last week, that was. Uh, yeah, but in general, the match was. Yeah, just just not great. It was fine. It was good. Um, it was nice I it was to really see good. Mox. Yeah, nice to see Mox back. Um, and I'm more looking forward now, actually, to what we're going to talk about later about the IWGP title. But it was just like a four for a normal show. It was a great match, I have to say, like a four TV show was almost on, on a pay-per-view level also so this is what i really liked about it well one thing that made it great for me was that i actually genuinely didn't know who was going to win this i thought there was a chance that kyle anderson could win this because yeah like you um, said last week yeah because the the fact that it's another company's title throws all sorts of unpredictability into the mix because they you know at any time they could say they want it back and i i do think the good brothers are supposed to be going over to japan at some point so you know there's every chance they could have said all right put it on anderson and have him bring it back over with them so it can appear on new japan television a bit more but yeah that wasn't the case so um yeah hugh what were your thoughts on this one um well like i will say that like they said at the beginning oh it's njpw rules and i did watch her and go this is an njpw match <laughs> like it, Fair it, it was it, it was quite a uh, 
it was quite a smorgasbord um, yeah. on, on this episode because they had they had a very WWE feeling match between Matt Hardy and Chris yes, Christian Cage yeah. later, which we'll talk about. Not just because they were both former WWE guys, but because of how of the way it was choreographed was yeah, quite WWE yeah, yeah. and um, good WWE. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily generally bad, but it was very. I sports said, entertainment I said uh, ruthless aggression era WWE. It was definitely. Yeah. Which for is sure. one of the better eras. Yeah. <laughs> one of the better eras, yes, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, it felt oh, like yeah, a, sorry, I've cut you off, carry on. It felt like a kind of stiff match. It was. It had a lot of uh, spots where you winced. Well, like, <laughs> like I the said, pile that pile driver. driver. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That, he didn't look steady on his feet during that. And <laughs> he could have easily looked like he could have um, driven Moxley's head into the ground for, for real. Yeah, yeah. No, and like, there are also things like you know, the second rope superplex you mentioned, which is, I don't know, is that just a pretty good plex? Who knows? But like, uh, but like things like that, I'm like, well, th- they do that every week, but they tend to not have that much of it in one match. Would you remember- watch New Japan, and it's it's a pretty backbreaking style in New Japan, and I felt like it really had that feel to it this match. Do you remember in um, a match with Seth Rollins? I can't remember whether it was a singles match, where it was a multi-man match. I think it might have been a Money in the Bank match or something. I can't remember. But John Moxley took a at that time Dean Ambrose took a superplex I think off a ladder or gave a superplex off a ladder. So he really he really goes hard when it comes to superplexes. <laughs> I, I didn't see that match, so no, I don't remember that. But I I'm not surprised to be honest with when it comes yeah. to John Moxley. <laughs> Psychopath he is. Right, um, yeah. Let's move swiftly on to our next segment, which was. Lance Archer. Actually, we'll talk about this and um, a segment that happens later all at once right now. So, first off, we had Archer saying it's time for a rematch uh, with with John Moxley, a rematch of, of their Tokyo Dome match at Wrestle Kingdom for the US title in which, um, in which uh, Moxley won the US title from Lance Archer in, in a Texas death match. And, um, yeah, Archer essentially challenges him to a Texas death match later in the night, however... Moxley responds. I just have to scroll down until I get to that point. Bear with me. He responds and says, uh, "One doesn't." What well, he said. He says that he said it before, but he'll say it again. That one doesn't. Doesn't. One does not simply beat Lance Archer, uh, but uh, one only survives Lance Archer. Um, Archer won't stop uh, until he keeps him down. He realizes that. Um, so Mox is going to have to prove that he's the toughest guy in both New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. Um, and uh, accepts the Texas death match and says that Archer will be Texas born but also Texas dead. So Texas born and bred, Texas born and dead. Um, let's come to Hugh on this one because I came to uh, Patrick first on the last one. What did you make of these two segments? Well, I liked I liked it. I felt like it made sense. It was a good call out. Um, but if we compare it to the match that happened in this episode with Carl Anderson. I find it a lot less likely it, it doesn't the idea that Lance Archer might win it doesn't seem that likely to me compared to if Carl Anderson might win it because he works a lot more in Japan whilst, for sure well he's built from Japan Carl yeah, Anderson yeah that's right he's from Tokyo Japan right but like, yeah. like and of course Lance Archer was a massive name in New Japan and did, like uh, he was in Great Bash Heel I believe but uh <laughs> Well, he was um, he was in a in a good tag team with um, with uh, David with, Boy some, Jr. with someone we'll talk about in less important shows because ah, they've yes. been involved in some That's news. Point, um, but like, just, um, I, like I think Lance Archer basically works for AEW now because we see him there every yeah. week. So it just doesn't seem that likely to me that he'll be the NJPW US champ anytime soon. But I think it'll be a good match, and it'll look good. But uh, yeah, 
Although it'll be a total burial of Archer because he keeps getting into these big matches and losing. Yeah, like, right. You he know, did, he didn't get the TNT Championship. He's not going to get this one. <laughs> like, eventually he, they'll he, put something on him. <laughs> did he go for the the world title at one point as well? I believe he did. Yeah, I can't remember like, when, but I believe yeah, I feel he like did. I can't remember it well either. But I think he did. See, like, was I don't it, know. When he came in, he was after TNT, was he? When they had him beating up jobbers in a back garden thing, that was he came in to attack Cody for the TNT. That was the right? best thing he did was when he beat up those jobbers and put that guy through the ceiling, like yeah. chucked him into the air. That was great. Um, no, do you remember in the Killer Elite Squad? Slightly off topic, but he used to spit on people in the crowd with water. Yes, because it gets God, you really that's... massive heat in Japan. That. Well, that's that's uh, that's a glimpse into life before COVID, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what's, what's Beer City Bruiser doing these days? Because like, he, he used to spit beer into the front row yeah. of Ring of Honor. <laughs> I don't know where this City Bruiser is. Yeah, but I'm guessing he can't do that right now. He can't go, he hey, I'm gr- spitting beer on you. <laughs> this City Bruiser had a surprisingly good match in Japan at Honor Rising a long time ago. Yeah, well, I, think I, I think I watched that one, actually. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, like, I, I think this is going to be cool. It's going to be a good match next week. Did you see that match in Japan at uh, Wrestle Kingdom? I did not, know. Oh, it was quite good. Yeah, I should watch. I should watch Wrestle Kingdom. I you think should I missed, watch Wrestle I missed Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom the last two years. Yeah, it was. It wasn't this year. It was the one before. But. Oh yeah, so there wasn't one this year, was there? No. The, of, oh, was the, there? Wait. What? Yeah, there was. There no, was there was. There totally was. But I haven't watched that either. <laughs> Stop trying to make excuses why you're not watching Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> just denying there was one. It's just really long. <laughs> <laughs> it is that. Next up, we had Alex Abrahantes interviewing Andrade El Idolo with his subtitles because he cuts in and out of Spanish. Uh, Alex Abrahantes says that he's, he being pen, uh, Andrade, sorry, has been given um, full permission uh, to kick down the forbidden door and win titles wherever he likes, which is interesting and obviously sets up him appearing in Triple R uh, for his match with Kenny Omega. Um, and yeah, and he and then Andrade follows it up by telling Alex that he's looking for Death Triangle. Whatever that means, does that mean he's looking looking to fight them? Does that mean he's looking to join them? Why don't you give us your take on that, Patrick? Exactly the question I asked you when we were watching it a few hours ago. Because you can yeah, you, you couldn't guess what he was what he was up to. So that's he's just that's, looking for them. Yeah, he's just looking for them, so that's interesting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but it's just ni- nice segment to just show him. Like, I also don't get his character completely yet. If he's just, I think he's just pretending that he doesn't know English, and in in between he's just this is the thing. I thought Spanish he... and switching because he he does it a bit because he can or he he prefers to do it this way. So I think he's gonna do it this way. I mean, I know he had Selena Vega, but I could have sworn I remember him speaking pretty fluent English on NXT. But yeah. maybe I'm misremembering. You know. Yeah. Also, when when he's like like he's engaged to Charlotte Flair, I think yeah. So he should speak some some normal English now. Whether I I don't don't think they're speaking Spanish or so all the time or anything. They, you know, they speak the language of love. They don't oh, the love language. Italian. Italian. Okay. <laughs> oh, no French. Cling <laughs> on. Uh, very good. But yeah. Um, yeah, excited to see what 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 titles do you think he might challenge for if the uh, Forbidden Door is down? Do you think we could see him? Obviously, as I mentioned, we will probably see him, and by probably I mean definitely because he's booked for it. See him in AAA, but um, what about New Japan potentially or Impact or where where do you think we might see El Idolo pop up? 
That's a good question, actually. Um, maybe New Japan, and they'll make a title for him. <laughs> <laughs> I could see, I could see him in New Japan. Obviously, there's there's so much potential there for um, for Los Ingobernables uh, shenanigans, you know. No, well, maybe he'll. I mean, he's going to AAA. Maybe he'll go to CMLL as well. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I could see him in, yeah having a great program with Naito potentially as well. Exactly, and, um, yeah, New Japan yeah. and, that'd be yeah. great. And um, yeah, I mean, like he's they they mentioned titles specifically. I'm not sure what titles I could see him going for, but maybe you know he could fit into something in New Japan without going for a title for sure. Maybe over at Impact, there's some there's something he suits. I don't watch any Impact, I'm afraid could be a belt collector 2.0 well actually it'd be a yeah, it'd be at least belt collector. It? it'd be at least 4.0 because i remember austin aries and the hardy boys both having that gimmick oh <laughs> so, yeah there we go yeah because well, yeah, i so. remember austin aries and obviously uh, he's just no one likes him anymore or whatever uh, <laughs> uh and now obviously it's it's kenny yeah. The Hardy oh, yeah. Boys had an acquisition of gold or something like that. Oh, nice. They, were... they have lots of tag titles then. Or... I believe. Did that, did that just catch me burping? Sorry. I didn't Sorry. hear it. <laughs> uh, oh, well, I've just outed myself. Um, <laughs> I did. It's the most unprofessional podcast on the air. Guaranteed. Mm. West um, mate. Yes, they, 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 they won a lot of tag titles and it pretty much culminated in them losing, I think, the Ring of Honor tag titles back to the Young Bucks uh, like the night before they ah. debuted at WrestleMania. They came back to Wrestle- at WrestleMania. Uh-huh, so, I see. I see. Yeah. Okay. Stuff it was. I guess I can, you know, I can see him doing that, but then also it's sort of Kenny's thing right now, so I don't know. It's hard to know. Uh, but uh, I, I guess... I don't, think, I don't think Andrade would care, to be honest. No, I don't think he would. <laughs> I also think he will fit there's basically I can, I can if you said oh he's going to impact I'm like yeah he, he would do something good there yeah he would do something good at NJPW <laughs> I can imagine him fitting a lot of places that's the thing definitely the down message, in Mexico of course you know <laughs> the message to take away from it is he will go places and do stuff yeah sure. or he won't and it was a or joke he won't. <laughs> plans change um <laughs> Next up, we had the FTW title match between uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Absolute Ricky Starks, some might call him. Uh, so we started off with a big press from Cage, and he like slammed him down, him being Ricky Starks, and then whipped Ricky from corner to corner repeatedly. Um, hits a power slam on him for the two count. Starks, at this point, Starks targeting Cage's arm, his uh, damaged bicep. Uh, nice twist and drop kick from Starks, um, and he starts biting Cage's fingers. Uh, roll up from Ricky, and Cage powers out of it to the point where he sends Ricky flying to the outside, flying through the ropes. Uh, Ricky goes up, but is caught by Cage, uh, who does his whole bicep curl thing, where he kind of you know shows off his strength with his opponent. He tries to transition to a fireman's carry, but Ricky reverses it into a crucifix. Would you call it a crucifix bomb? I think because he slams him down. Anyway, um, rear naked choke by Starks and uh, a Gomengiri from Cage. Pump handle face buster. Is that his finisher? I don't think so. Is it from from Cage? But uh, Starks gets his foot on the ropes. Um, it might have been his finisher actually. I can't remember. Um, anyway, Starks kicks out of a thrust kick next. Cage uh, attempts the kind of outside in suplex, but Ricky gets him in a power bomb for a two count. And the crowd really reacted to that. Starks tries to cheat with the belt, but is stopped. So he tries to he tries to uh, 
grab the belt from the outside, but it is uh, Willie, it is uh, powerhouse Will Hobbs, who stops him uh, from from using the title to cheat, and which is curious given what happens next, because uh, Brian. Okay, he definitely does hit his finisher this time. Um, but Starks kicks out, which was huge. And uh, then Hook distracts the ref. And Powerhouse Hobbs hits Cage from behind with the belt uh, for the cheat win from Ricky Starks. So let's deconstruct this. What do you think of this, Patrick? Because for one thing, Ricky Starks was definitely working heel this entire match and has been leading up to it with the whole thing with him being the kind of cowardly rat bastard heel having the having the security in the ring, Brian Cage being the face who refused to cheat a double or nothing, and yet um, the crowd were booing uh, Brian Cage, uh, many of them, and were firmly behind firmly behind Ricky Starks. And it was a confusing one because also he kicked out of a finisher, which is a very, you know, closely before the end, which was a very, you know, clean, which was a very face thing to do. So, yeah, just uh, what do you make of this curious match? Yeah, so first of all, you said it like like good because now I can uh, remember the the move. It was the face buster from <laughs> from Brian Cage and Ricky Starks landed on like his neck almost again. It looked like he was like, ah, oh, I have to prevent landing on my neck again, and then he landed like this, like in a real weird odd position. So <laughs> I hope he's doing fine now. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I like the match like a lot. And what you said also confused me at one point where uh, Brian Cage was also. Uh, visibly surprised on air that he got booed and Ricky Stars got cheered for because you can definitely say that the roles are very clear that uh, uh, Brian Cage is the face and Ricky Starks is the heel and Team Taz is the heels or are the heels. So I think I think booking wise they may have just absolutely misjudged this and that's yeah, that's yeah. the benefit of crowds is instant feedback and that's what they've not had um, yeah. in the run up to this and during the pandemic they've not had instant feedback from a lot of people in one place um, and I think there's probably a lot of people backstage were, who were surprised at just how over Ricky Starks was yeah um, and how how much people wanted him to win and it was you know it was very odd seeing someone wrestle heel. Um, I mean, we've seen it with Britt Baker, but I think in a sense they lead into it with Britt Baker and she's sort of an anti-face now. Do you know what I mean? She's kind of, she's healed, but like you know, she, she knows she, she knows she's face. I'd say less less of a tweener and more of, like I say, like a like a anti-hero kind of thing. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you know, they because she's against the heel as well in Nyla Rose, but this was firmly uh, heel Ricky Starks versus face Brian Cage, but getting the complete different reactions than was probably yeah. intended. But yeah. Yeah, that's it was true. good. That's true. Yeah, the match was great. Really, like also this point where uh, Ricky Starks did the power bomb or did power bomb Brian Cage. I was like, wow. That, yeah, and the move was just really great from a guy like like Ricky Starks. Uh, the crowd was crowd very for it, yeah yeah very behind him. Awesome, really. And yeah, I liked the the match in general. It was a great match, also to be honest. Uh, but like in general, the crowd reaction was great with it. And I really liked that the crowd was reacting opposing to what they were thinking with the booking, which makes well, like the, thing. The, I, the time now so great again to to have this feedback and everything. See, so that's yeah. I on one level, I do think just because of how it was booked, um, how it was so clearly booked for. Cage to be the face and Starks to be the heel that that they were reacting contrary to the booking. However, 
um, that kick out from Starks makes me think they were expecting a huge pop there. Do you know what I mean? Like a kick out of a finisher towards the end of the match. So they do seem to be on to, unless that was improvised or do you know what I mean? Unless, you know, Cage said, oh, you know, you know, in the middle of the match was like, oh, you know what will really get you over if you kick out my finisher right before you get the heel win. Do you know what I mean? Because I reacted to the face crowd, you know? Yeah, yeah, could be. Because they're also like Cage is so experienced already. They wouldn't wonder wonder me, so... Do you have any thoughts, Hugh? Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, though, it, I agree that the crowd was definitely behind Starks over Cage. Uh, I wasn't. I was on board with what they they presented. I was like, <laughs> fuck this Ricky Starks guy. <laughs> Just imagining Hugh in the crowd like, you're doing it wrong! <laughs> Stop being Starks! Yeah, I don't know. I, I've always hated Ricky Starks the way I think I'm supposed to. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's kind of gotten over. It's quite funny. And I don't especially love Brian Cage, but... I quite like him, you know. I quite like Brankett. Well, you yeah. you come from a Lucha Underground fan perspective as well, so that's true. But I don't remember him that well, even though I, he was definitely there. I don't remember much of him. I remember him, and I hardly watched it. Yeah, I know it's weird. <laughs> he, no, because he definitely had really good matches in Lucha Underground. That's for sure. How'd you forget a guy who looks like that? I know, right? I'm just weird. <laughs> him and EC3, I, I could, you shouldn't be able to forget them. But <laughs> oh, you can definitely but yeah, like um, WWE forgot EC3. Yeah. Uh, but like I, I found it interesting that you know because it ends with a, a a dirty loss, and then they give the FTW championship to Starks, and it all sort of made sense. But I was just genuinely like, oh, but now Brand Cage is free to go and do cool stuff. But it seemed like people were on Team Taz's side a little bit, so you know. Yeah, of course, the post match um... team we were all annoyed from like from the whole Sting thing. So yeah, yeah. Obviously, they all kind of firmly showed what side they were on after the match with Team Taz yeah. kind of and that's also what I liked uh, the commentary from Taz was also like you, you were not really sure on whose side it was but yeah but then the dirty the, the went like the, the, the attack from Hobbs was just yeah it was, it was gr- a great finish also yeah really good stuff so right after the end of this match Cody uh, emerged um, to well walked up to the announcers table and started a promo uh talking over the over the mic uh, over the headset over the commentator's headset so obviously the uh, crowd in the studio couldn't, in the audience sorry couldn't hear him um but uh in the arena i should say really um but after that he finished his promo in the ring so it was a little bit odd um how he went about that but anyway it was it was a super passionate promo i think it was um kind of pre-pandemic cody in a way um, and he cuts a promo about Malachi Black, uh, telling him that we don't hit six-year-old men here. Um, he calls him out, uh, tells him it's fighter fest, and he feels like fighting. Uh, at this point, Malachi comes on the big screen, says, uh, you know, pretty much pretty sick burn. Says that people cheered when Cody got kicked because they don't love him as much as he loves them. <laughs> I was like, damn, firing shots, truth bombs. Um, Malachi goes on to tell a story about a man who killed his favourite horse, a rich man. That I think is is uh, important because oh no, that was that was Miro later, the rich man story. Anyway, he tells a story not a rich man. <laughs> uh, he killed his favourite horse because he uh, wasn't the same horse anymore. Um, Cody tells him obviously that's an uh, you know, and he says that when I came down to the ring and looked in your eyes and you and Arn Anderson's eyes, you 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 guys weren't the same anymore. Cody tells him to come out here and take a closer look. Um, you know, he's really jazzed up. And uh, Malachi Black says, I hope you'd say that. And the lights go out and Black is in the ring and they start intensely fighting. 
none of this kind of uh, shitty in heel kind of running away or trying to get a cheap shot. They were face to face and they just went at it, got separated by the refs. All good stuff from my perspective. Uh, Hugh, what did you what did you what did you think about this one? That was good. I was fine with it. Like uh, I don't know, like his thing saying, "Yeah, they cheered when I kicked you in the head." I was like, "Yeah, that's because we love Alex Alistair Black, Malachi Black now." And we're all bored of Cody, so of course we did. <laughs> but as someone, as someone who is has been bored of Cody, as I have, and I'm sure uh, uh-huh. quite a few listeners have, um, did you see something that got you a bit more excited? Yeah, in, thought... in this in this Cody than than he has been more recently with yeah, Dan's no, new sure. Gun Factory stuff. I felt like the Nightmare Factory thing had this weird vibe of feeling like he had chosen to be on the undercard or something yeah. like that, like. Which is sort of the point, I guess, because that was sort of the point of the Nightmare Fighter in a way. But, like, um, it just felt weird. It felt like he, who we all know is fairly senior in the company, was going, yeah, I'm going to be in this sort of also-this-is-happening storyline. <laughs> and then and then they bring in, like, Malachi Black, and you go, oh, good, this is this was a good fight. Like, it, it had that feel, that sort of brawly, we're going to fuck each other up, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on you thing going on. And yeah, it was all good. So, and I, I was more like, oh, cool, you know. And I, and I love Alistair Black because Alistair Black's great. I know he's called Malachi know, now, but you know. Do you know what I think the issue with Cody for me before was that he was just he was so smug. He was such a smug face. <laughs> so, and it, he he just liked to come out to the ring, and cut these really kind of kind of patronizing, pontificating promos. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Rather than you know coming out and doing this stuff, like you know, really kind of. Because yeah. that that promo we all loved before the pandemic, where you know, undeniable to unfreaking, you know, un un whatever, you know, you know, undesirable to undeniable. undesirable to undeniable. Thank That's you. Um, that was the whole, you know, not not screaming too much, not going crazy, but knowing when to kind of get intense. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and you know, and that's that's the Cody I've missed. I don't, you know, you've been one of his more vocal critics on this show, Patrick. What did you make about Cody in this segment? Um, and, and what did you think about Malachi Black and and the direction of this feud? Are you excited for it? Well, so that that's oh here we go buckle up <laughs> no so first of all like on a good note that's the cody i want to see to be honest in more in the main eventing and i hope he's he probably is laying down for malachi black a bit but it's also dragging like the the, the star attention on him to show how important he is so like as, as you also mentioned like the mid-card feud against QT Marshall was just like really unimportant and then boring stuff and also his match against Antonio Gogo was also like ah, it's just I don't know but in some kind of way uh, it was the thing that he wanted to showcase people like push them a little more to a brighter spot what as what he did with the TNT title uh, bringing in other people just sharing his stardom whatever he thinks he he is in which position he is what i really liked is like <laughs> he came out and then he took the mic it's like yeah i'm just gonna abuse my power here just a little bit and i'm like <laughs> you really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah but i'm also like excited for it because i i want to see malachi black i think they can have a nice match and what did you and i what did we say about it will they have a tuxedo match like a brown oh, yeah, panties yeah. match in tuxedo? Well, i think i think i think it was intentional the suits because you had cody yeah. in the white and malachi yeah, the black. black in the in the yeah. black and it was the good versus evil sort of thing it was the um Shawn michaels versus the undertaker at uh wrestlemania 26 i want to say i want to say it was the second time they faced each other when Shawn michaels came down from the heavens 
oh, in, in his white outfit and uh, obviously the Undertaker was on his black um, so and I think that was that was quite good because I think obviously people were behind the Undertaker so it was kind of like a, it was kind of yeah, the yeah. face face demon versus the you know but um, I, that, I, I, hopefully you know sorry go on no no this is this is completely weird but the, the whole time Malachi Black was there I went it'd be so funny if in like five years his gimmick is he wears all orange and he's really proud of being Dutch. <laughs> just because <laughs> I've never seen him in anything but black, and I just had this idea of him being a Dutch football hooligan as a gimmick. <laughs> and yeah, just comes out and hands out carrots to the. Crowd. Yeah, I just couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, that'd be so funny. <laughs> but yeah, no. But other than that, I thought yeah, we've had enough of. We think we've had enough football hooliganism, hooliganism recently. To be honest, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I. I thought this was really good stuff. I think we've kind of, you two have pretty much covered everything that needs to be said, but I am certainly looking forward to this, and I think this is a step in the right direction for Cody. Next up, we had uh, Tony... Oh, no, first off, sorry. We had Alex Marvez uh, in the back um, as uh, talking to Tully Blanchard about... Uh, taking a cheap shot on and he said so i went back and listened to it and he definitely said it he said taking a cheap shot on cody but who did he take a cheap shot against because it was after cody wasn't involved in that much was he it was was also confused that he said cody or they said cody i didn't get the reference at all to be honest I think he just made a mistake and nobody noticed it because he he it was obviously someone in either Santana Ortiz or um, Jake Hager that he took a that he took a cheap shot at, didn't he? Or I'm I'm trying to cast my mind back to last week and I meant to I meant to go back and watch it before this podcast, but I forgot. But it definitely wasn't Cody, was it? Cody's not involved in that angle. Probably he said so. Jericho. I wanted to say Jericho, but Cody was the last one. Oh, was it so Jericho that he hit with it? So, so. <laughs> Jericho Jer- or Jericho Cody? Yeah. Or- Jericho maybe it was maybe Jericho whispered he whispered the co. Oh, I literally <laughs> you know. don't remember him taking a cheap shot on anyone as well. That's yeah, the he, thing. D- yeah. <laughs> no, he used like a blackjack or something, didn't he? Or I don't know. Oh yeah, um, that was it. But wasn't it Conan? Yeah, Conan. Yeah, because oh, Conan came yes, with the blackjack. Uh, it yes. sounded like Cody though. Yeah, it, didn't it, it? Really, we also thank you. It wasn't just me. Like, yeah, but it Conan. Okay, there we go. So we're always learning on this show. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the old people hitting each other again. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was watching some Detective Conan before. I don't know. Um, anyway, Conan. He he got the uh, cheap shot on Conan, uh, but he says, "Oh, it wasn't a cheap shot. That was a that was a man, you know, using a doing his thing." Uh, Santana and Ortiz are backstage, and uh, Marvez leaves, and Santana and Ortiz start kind of grappling Tully. Uh, acting like they're going to beat him down, but then they don't. They said we were taught to respect our elders, um, and you know, you get your boys. And then, in, in, a, in a kind of weird delivery that kind of drew a few laughs from the crowds, Tully was like, "Yeah, I'll get my boys." And like, I don't know, it was just a little bit odd, but um, just repeating what they said back to them. But he is going to get his boys, so we will see a boys versus boys fight soon. And it isn't isn't boys fighting all that we do this for? Um, what did you think of this segment, Patrick? Uh, I'm, I'm coming to you because Hughes embarrassed me by making uh, me not realise it was Conan. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming <laughs> to you, who's, who's on the same level as me uh, of shame. So what did you think of this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was confused, like I said before. Did he really say Cody? And then I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, but the segment was fine. I, I liked it because it was also kind of comedic and funny. 
Um, and it's just these small bits, they're just spreading all in between dynamite, like these small things to keep the feud going and because they're not having a match this week, but just these small segment was maybe a minute or so, two, to just keep it going, to just implement like a ah, yeah, that they're still feuding. Oh, okay then, so it was good, yeah. Yeah, not really much to say about it, although I do like the kind of continuity with them, um, because I was sat there thinking, I was sat there thinking, well, are they just going to have had Cody lecturing, um, you know, uh, Black, Malachi Black, about uh, kicking Arn Anderson, and then really, gonna, are they really going to then have the faces attack uh, an older gentleman in Tully Blanchard but then there was, the point, yeah. there was then there was the consistency there with them saying um actually no we, we we respect our elders and stuff like that and just letting him drop to the floor so that I was a fan of that because I was I was I was all ready to get outraged at the kind of inconsistent kind of booking but no next up we had Tony Schiavone interviewing Hangman Adam Page and this this was the big segment of the night because obviously it was interrupted but Starting off, Page said he had tried to run and hide from his, well, his destiny, but the Dark Order is right. He still needs that championship. Um, and he, he is about to challenge for the World Championship, but he's interrupted, of course, by the voice of Don Callis, accompanied by all his boys, all of the elite. Um, they all kind of trade the mic around, telling, uh, telling Hangman that he's not that guy, he's not the championship guy, until Matt takes it and says that Matt Jackson this is, and says that he wants to say something to Hangman's face, so he walks into the ring. Um, he's got like a, a horribly evil smile on his face as well. Um, really good heel work. Um, he says that Hangman abandoned them, uh, left them for a group of losers, that being the Dark Order, and then he jokes about um, Hangman puts him down for his drinking. Uh, he tells him that he's a sad, lonely cowboy, like a trope, uh, pretty much. And uh, he'll be the next great wrestling tragedy. Uh, at this point, Hangman uh, kind of loses his temper and attacks him. Um, Kenny tries to get the jump on him, but the Dark Order run down to even the score and uh, make the save for Hangman. Uh, Paige then asks for a match tonight, um, although it's not going to be tonight. I think, is it going to be next week? Um, I'm not really sure in what state they left it, but uh, it's going to be the Dark Order, the five five members of the Dark Order and Hangman Page versus the Elite uh, for a shot at all the titles. So if they win, um, Paige, will, uh, Paige will get a, a shot at the at the world title and um, the Dark Order, I assume, Alex and Reynolds and Silver or uh, Uno and Grayson uh, will get a shot at the Young Bucks tag titles. Um, and Omega says if they lose, they be in the Dark Order. If they lose, then Paige loses his shot that he's earned by becoming the number one contender. Whew. Hugh, come to you first. What do you make of this? Well, I was slightly confused by what the final result was but i think i, I thought got... they were gonna have a match that night yeah that was one thing because i thought they said he said i'm i need a match tonight and then and they, they never kind of corrected him about when it would be did they really no so then i was confused by that i was like is this at the end now or what um so so yeah so it's if if page if team page or the dark order team loses does page he loses his number one slot or does he lose? Does he do the what's it called? The Cody thing, 
No, I don't, uh, I don't. I don't think he can never challenge. They just said he loses. Okay. He loses his title opportunity. Yeah. I suppose. And then also with the tag team thing, I'm like, there's like five tag teams in the dark order. Yeah, which <laughs> you're referring to. This is what I said. It's got to be either Silver and Silver and Reynolds or uh, you know Grayson. You. I, I, I would guess Uno and Grayson. I guess. Hmm. I would guess that. But like at the same time, I think it's a cool idea. This but idea who, were, who, like, were, who exactly were the people in the ring with him? Because I remember I remember uh, 10, Preston Vance was there. Uh, yeah, 10 was there, Colt was there, Uno was there, Silver was there, and I think Reynolds uh, as well. But, but, I, but I'm if, not sure. I, th- those first so it might not, you know, because so, they did kind of have like a 5v5 face-off, I think. So, yeah. you know, we could probably go back and look and see what, I mean, you know, this is why we're the most unprofessional podcast, because we're not yeah. doing any prep. But... Uh, but I, I, think, I think the Dark Order had like one or two more people because JR did say that the, uh, the elite are outnumbered now. Because uh-huh. Carl Anderson wasn't there as well. I guess he was recovering from the match or getting changed or whatever. So yeah. Gallows was there, but Anderson wasn't. Uh, so, yeah. I, I'm not sure. But I, I think like a kind of Survivor Series style match between these guys is good. Cause it's I got th- a similar thing to the thing with the pinnacle and the inner circle in a way that is like... Uh, a long time ago, really now, uh, Hangman walked away from being in the elite and now he's kind of got his own elite and they're not elite, they're the Dark Order whose whole thing is that they lose or that they used to lose and now they're buddies and they stopped losing, you know? So it's got a cool idea to it and um, yeah. also, like, the Dark Order, like, basically since they went face have never not been over. <laughs> so it's going to yeah. be good. I mean, this... Uh, I will come to Patrick. We usually just go to one person at a time on um, on segments, but this was a big one. So um, uh, I will come to you, Patrick, just because would you think this elimination match and the fact that if he if they lose, that Hangman loses his title shot, do you think this would be a good way to um, extend the time until that that match uh, between Hangman and um, and Kenny? Hmm, that's a good question. Would this, would um, this, could this, could this substitute for that singles loss we were talking about? Him kind of needing for this to feel like that, that epic, uh, slow burn feud. Would, would this five be, would losing in this five v five, especially if he was the one that got pinned? Well, he would have to get pinned at some point, obviously, with it being an elimination match. Would that be enough then to, to be like uh, an attempt that he's failed uh, at Kenny, and then he could go on to actually win that match? Yeah, uh, yeah. When if they, you- when they finally face each other. If you put it that way, then yeah, definitely. Then, then I would say, uh, for me as a fan, also as a viewer, I would say, yeah, that definitely would would count the same thing, because when you have them on on a match like in, in a title match on a pay per view, you're kind of that, that's the thing. But that's also the thing, like you you don't know if he would win when he's uh, facing him the first time, but the second time he might win. So you have this kind of expectations. So yeah it's, it's a good question like I'm, I'm curious to see how they will play with it i think the match so i just looked up well while he was talking there was not announced yet when the match will be so maybe they're just gonna have the match at all out then but it doesn't make sense then to wait until uh until full gear uh to have to have the title match it i don't wait too long i want to put someone out i don't think they should have the title match at full gear i think they should have the title match at their new york show because have you seen how many people yeah. are at that now that's that's the other thing i just read about on end i was like ah, oh, maybe you should should have it there or should have it's nearly yeah, 20, should have the five people. versus five yeah five versus five match then in uh at all out and then the title match in in new york that would be really nice if if they handle it this way um maybe both title matches i think it's um also it's evil uno and uh Stu grayson who are uh, higher ranked than the other tech team 
constellations you could choose from. It makes sense. Yeah. But I like the segment like a lot, a lot, a lot. Like they played with everything in it. I thought also the suits, the or not the suits, but the gear that uh, the Bucks were wearing, the clothes were just hilarious. They had like a yeah, the like Keith Herring kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the Keith Herring suit. I was like, "Hello, '90s. What's this?" So <laughs> <laughs> that was quite interesting uh, to see. And also, really, like completely randomly, Brandon Cutler was in the background when um, Adam Page uh, told about his his demands, and uh, <laughs> Brandon Cutler was just in the background, then completely completely upset and was just spraying around in the air the <laughs> the cooling spray for I no reason. <laughs> you should watch. It's just so hilarious and of course he's the he's one of the few ones who got hit in the face wasn't it didn't it used to be like a pokemon that like emitted like a really bad smell when they were pissed off i can't was it gloom or something like that maybe i don't know yeah it was, it was gloom. i'm just i'm just thinking <laughs> I'm just thinking that's like what Brandon does. He just, he just, he can't vocalize it, so he just sprays yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good comparison. But yes, that was that was really good. And in general, uh, that was quite a big surprise for me, to be honest. This demand, this challenge, uh, and I don't know. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he says uh, in the end to Kenny, not that he's backing down. He said the Dark Order is not backing down from any challenge. So for me, it was the first time that he admitted that he's mm. part of the Dark Order, that he sees himself as Dark Order, and he's not Adam Page. I picked up on that too, although I don't think this is. I don't think we'll see them formally add add him on any kind of roster page or yeah. or anything yet. I don't think this counts as a formal induction. But no, I did not pick really, up on that too first first time he's admitting because in so. the same promo he did say he did refer to the dark order as a separate entity to himself so the dark order convinced me you know so um you know i wouldn't jump the gun but i i, I do see where you're coming from because i did pick up on that as well yeah but yeah um favorite segment of the night for me for sure Definitely. Um, and it, it's it you know some people say to think we almost had this without a crowd you know like um and in a way the kind of pandemic helped because they didn't want to pull the trigger on this without the crowd. This was the, this was their one that they did not want to waste uh, in an empty arena. And in a way it forced them to do a really slow burn, you know? So, um, you know, if there's one silver lining that's come from the pandemic in the world of wrestling, it is that I would, I would, you know, we're going to have a really good, really good, um, long-term storytelling blow off to this feud, I think. Next up, we had um, Alex Marvez uh, on Interview Duty again, interviewing Chris Jericho. Uh, Jericho says that MJF is smart with all the uh, allusions he makes to Greek mythology, but if he was smarter, he would have known that Hercules succeeded in his trials. Um, and he, he being Chris Jericho, not Hercules, uh, will ruin MGF's life like he tries to do to him. He said this before, but he's saying it again. Um, and at this point, Spears attacks Jericho with a chair, um, and MGF uh, follows uh, follows closely behind. Um, and Spears gets gets Chris Jericho in a headlock, and MGF tells Jericho that next week uh, it will be his first labor first labor of jericho and um it will be against spears and the stipulation is that sean spears can use a chair but jericho cannot so i imagine that extends to any or, well i imagine that extends to all weapons unless jericho finds a loophole um that jericho will be disqualified but uh sean spears will not be disqualified for using a chair patrick what do you think of this uh, first of all it was a little confusing 
because uh, the cut was really quick from the segment and then the um, to the segment and uh, uh, then the live crowd was still in the back and they were chanting cowboy shit while MJF was talking so that was that was a little too fast um, but yeah I like the segment like yeah kind of it's just like like a standard thing that somebody interrupts and and attacks and then He's without like well, you, it's, you it's also Sean, said like he, he he can use that like he can use a table he can use a ladder he can use whatever he wants just can't to use a chair. yeah <laughs> is did he say that no no he didn't no, say that wasn't but specified, we, specified. Yeah, so I was gonna say so that's, that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying yeah. either I think either, this will be the turnaround of this whole thing the loophole like I said Jack, or the loophole, find a loophole yeah. or or I don't I don't know I mean I could see that but I can also see it I don't know we'll see we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> we will have to see. I hope they're explaining the rules, at least, for yeah. us. Not like we're yeah. like, oh, he cannot use the chair, and he's teasing him with a chair, and then he gets out, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. I mean, yeah. I, I assume that if he can use a chair, Spears, he can't use anything else, is my assumption. I, I would think so, yeah, because yeah. otherwise so it would just... Otherwise it's just say where he no... can use a weapon. That's which, which to me would imply that Jericho can't use any weapons. But yeah, have to, I would have assume. To see what yeah. yeah, yeah. Next up, we had Matt Hardy versus Christian Cage. Uh, what year is it? <laughs> so, uh, first off, I noticed that Hardy looked quite good physically compared to how he was maybe um, about six months ago. Um, he actually looked really good to me. Um, maybe maybe a year ago, but uh, I think I remember that. You know shortly after that match with Sammy Guevara in particular or around that time people are saying why is he having matches because he's you know he's having trouble physically but no he looked good um they had a very long possibly long as I've seen collar and elbow tie up that actually went outside the ring <laughs> for a while um Cage ended up uh well, after the collar and elbow tie up broke Cage ended up going back in the ring and then diving to the outside back in the ring for a reverse DDT and a two count on Matt Hardy Hardy hits a DDT off the middle rope onto the steps, which was brutal. Um, although, I am going to come back to that because I'm wondering how that's not a KO, given other things we've seen previously. But anyway, um, Hardy brings him back into the ring for a neckbreaker. Then Hardy hits a catapult onto the ropes. Um, and then a second rope. Uh, was that a, su was a superplex in this match as well? Sorry, my, my, my notes were all in shorthand, but this may have been the second superplex. I'm unsure. Um, Matt Hardy locks in a sleeper before he starts brutally slamming Christian's head into the middle and bottom turnbuckle repeatedly. Uh, hits the scoop slam and then taunts on the second rope, but Christian gets up and takes him out by his legs. Cage gets a two count off the flying forearm. Um, the kill switch and the twist of fate both get countered. They trade counters. Christian goes for the spear, complete with edge tribute with uh, how he was taunting uh you know, uh, Matt to get up in the corner. Hardy evades, but then Christian makes good on a second attempt at the spear. Uh, Cage hits the frog splash, but only for a near fall. Um, Christian then attempts a tornado DDT, but Hardy battles out and hits him with... Oh, this was the superplex. Hits him with a superplex. So I think it was something like a, um, a drop kick or something off the rope before. Anyway, um, hits him with a bigger superplex than we saw superplex than we saw earlier. This one was off the top rope, which was quite impressive given the guys uh, who were doing it. Uh, Cage attempts the kill switch again, but Hardy low blows him and hits the twist of fate. Um, and this was a pretty insane false finish because uh, I'm pretty sure... 
I mean, am I wrong in saying that all of us thought this was over here? Because it was definitely false finish, definitely a, uh, you know, Lobo twist of fate, but Cage kicks out. Um, and then this bit confused me. Um, so they they go outside and Hardy locks in a submission hold that uh, commentators are calling the leech, as if we're supposed to know what this is, and as if he's done it a lot before. But I've seen every episode of Dynamite. I can't ever remember him hitting hitting something called the leech um and maybe it's a maybe he's been on dark or elevation thing but we'll talk about that in a minute anyway um cage beats the 10 count just barely gets in at the nine and hits a kill switch for the win after this the hardy family office complete with angelico in a bucket hat try to attack cage but jurassic express make the save and luchasaurus gets christian on his shoulders as he often does with jungle boy um and they celebrate although it seemed like there was a bit of kind of weird glancing or something going on between jungle boy and christian which was interesting whether that was intentional or not we'll discuss hugh what were your thoughts on this we'll come to you first i thought it was a great match um patrick said during it that it was totally a ruthless aggression style match and it totally was Mm -hmm. uh i like that it's literally started with them you know doing the classic lockup and they just didn't let that go until they're like rolling out of the ring that As was I say, I can't cool. remember. Well, it was even after they rolled up the ring, they kept it going. It yeah, was, yeah. In, in, in a way, that's actually quite impressive because I mean, if you and me tried to do that and then tried to roll out of a ring while keeping that together, yeah, I'm, we'd get I'm assuming that requires. Pra- yeah, we'd get hurt. I'm assuming yeah. that requires practice, even something as simple as that. You know, and it kind of Sim- sold this idea of them like re- like personally disliking each other, which it, yeah. And I, I yeah, I thought the match was good. Like uh, m- like generally, it, it was. It had the everything you want from a match between those two guys, basically. The other, the thing I found weird, and I commented on at the time was, I didn't find it that weird, but the commentators kept talking about their rivalry, and yeah. I was like, I don't really remember a particular Christian and Matt rivalry. No, it was always. We said this before on this podcast, but it was always, it was always Edge and uh, Edge Matt. and Matt, obviously. Yeah, because the, they were the kind of the voice stuff. pieces of their 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 tag team. But that too, exactly. The Christian and it's funny because Jeff Hardy um, was the biggest star of the two mm-hmm. um, uh, in their tag team, and Edge was the biggest biggest star of the two in their tag team. Mm-hmm. However, however, Edge and Matt were probably the kind of felt like the leaders, the first yeah, thing guys, yeah, yeah. and Christian and Jeff were like the impact guys. Do you know what I mean? The guys that came in for the hot tags. So um, it's yeah, funny how totally, one yeah. one got bigger and you know the other didn't. But um, these were kind of, I suppose, the the least famous of the two in each yeah. um, each group. Although uh, Matt did briefly surpass Jeff uh, quite recently with the whole yeah, that's true. broken Matt yeah. Hardy thing by not being a drug addict. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that that did help, I'm sure. Yeah, um, like but yeah, carry on. But I did think, you know, I and I even said to Patrick I was like I can't remember a time when Christian talked to Matt. You know, I can yeah. remember lots of times when Edge and Christian did stuff together. I can remember yeah. Edge and Matt, you know, challenging each other. So that was just a thing. I was like, I was like, I, they do have a rivalry, but like, I mean, they definitely do have a rivalry, but it was within the context of tag, tag team. Matches. Yeah, yeah. It, and was, it was like the, it wasn't the so best. much. It wasn't so much Christian and Matt having a rivalry as it was Edge and yeah. Christian, Matt, Matt and Jeff, and uh, the Dudley Boys having a rivalry. Yeah, so. yeah. It's the TLC rivalry, basically. Yeah, culminating these t- these three matches. But um, mm-hmm. but like yeah, but other than that, it was it was a good match, and it was, yeah, it really did have a certain. It felt very choreographed. It, do you know what I mean? It in a different it, decade for me, though. But not in felt, a bad way, you know. It felt very choreographed, but again, not in a bad way. And um, mm. and you'd expect it to with, with, with 
you know their extensive times yeah, in yeah. um in wwe um i did it up as well they'd actually wrestled seven times in singles go. matches oh well, this was this was christian's yeah. first ever win so yeah, um they, it they is like only two matches before on tv in raw in 2001 2003 and the other ones were just house match house show matches so was this the seventh or was this the eighth it was the seventh yeah okay so matt hardy six and one then no crazy way. nice yeah um yeah but, <laughs> exactly but yeah if i'm being absolutely completely nitpicky uh i did notice i don't know whether this would be down to matt hardy or whether this would be down to christian cage and ring awareness or whatever but i did notice after matt hit a scoop slam it was a, it was a bit where um matt was going up to second rope to taunt and christian was then to jump up and sweep his legs out before they did that after matt set hit him with a scoop slam that would set that up you saw christian getting himself into position quite obviously um on the mat like he had to do like three whole scoots you know to shuffle his uh his legs and shoulders back and it was very very obvious but um aside from that it was no it was a good match the ending felt a little bit flat to me just because of the fact that you know maybe patrick knows but i i know nothing of this move that um matt hardy allegedly locked in they were they were calling it the leech um the leech yeah confused yeah, it's me his submission that he did in the match they kept calling it the leech but i've never as if oh, as if i've like seen it before christian was standing outside of the yeah ring. yeah and tom's yeah. never seen it before and i've never seen it before so <laughs> so i don't think they've done it on dynamite I so i so maybe I, he's. I think I saw. I saw this move definitely before this submission hold, but. But maybe they didn't name it. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. That just threw me off a bit. And then he, yeah. you know, he got back in the ring, and that was. Um, and then very quickly after, after that uh, submission set up, uh, set up the finish. Um, one other thing is, I'd like to come to you again, Patrick, just because we've talked about this on a previous episode. Um, is how, in. I mean, it's pretty established that knockouts are a thing in wrestling. Um, a referee stoppage based on someone being knocked out cold. We saw it with a body shot from Antonio Gogo. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we see it when people get choked out and stuff. Um, how is uh, how Christian was after after um, Matt Hardy drilled his head into the into the steel steps? Not a knockout because he, you know the 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 commentator was like he's knocked out gold and he just like flopped. Do you know what I mean? He if anything he sold being knocked out. He sold it too well because it made me think how is this not a technical knockout? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very good question. That's really I, I didn't look at this this way, but when you're asking, uh, yeah, it's just inconsistent like like booking or storytelling through a match. When you do it, like with Anthony Ogogo or yeah, whenever was it was a knockout before. I swear but that one body I, shot knockout has completely. <laughs> we'll have to just say it never actually happened. Just head cannon it that it never yeah. happened because it's really thrown off the dynamics of refereeing in AEW. You know what I mean? Yeah, but not only in w, in, in AEW, also in WWE, there were these special occasions when these special wrestlers or, or whatever or performers were in when these things happen, and then. Yeah, it, it just brings it off balance. It's just for the generic viewers then maybe or so who are just turning tuning in and they're like, oh, he knocked him out. And also they're, and they're just trying to sell it, make it a little more real to appeal to another audience. Maybe it's for it's for people yeah. who don't care about it as much as we do. That's yeah. what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> people that's, that's who don't what obsess for. over it and record podcasts. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Yeah. That's and that's that's real good point because yeah it's it just it's also good when you when you're knocked out cold like christian was for for a while or you pretended he was for a while uh, that's just nice storytelling just especially when you have a crowd it's there like to to pump them up again to make them cheer more or so so yeah yeah Next up, we had a segment from Miro, uh, one of the things I look forward to most every week. Um, 
he he this was the second story <laughs> of the night so this was the story about the rich man that's obviously himself he's talking about he tells a story about a rich man with and i quote a hot wife who can do the splits <laughs> um so he's expanding on his hot wife thing and he says the man was hot too but he uh he was lost because uh, essentially because he forgot who he was um he's obviously talking about his time in wwe um and then a voice from above told him to forgive himself and after that he uh you know he he re he found his old self again and started becoming ruthless and uh and he forgives all all the people he's crushed along the way as well um just really good stuff um and this point uh, right i'm i don't want to make a fool out of myself but is was this a new title reveal because it looked like it, how long has the tmt title had a white strap or is this the first time we've seen it with a white strap because i'm casting my mind back it's just revealed like i just also it was, read it he, they they just revealed that it's his title yeah. version of it so yeah, and and it, which is perfect because he's obviously God's favorite champion and white and pure. And it's like, it's this, it's oh, it's I, I, it's my early contender for gimmick of the year in our awards because it's just so the kind of twisting of him thinking he's so right and uh, to the point where he's even bringing God into the gimmick. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and it's it's so it's just so good. It's just so good as a heel gimmick. Um, yeah, but I mean, would you like to expand on this? And the, what do you, well, what do you think of the new title design? Is one question I'd like to ask you, um, and another is just what you thought of this promo in general, and what who is next for Miro? Who can stop the path of Miro? So, well, first of all, um, I like the title, but on the other hand, I thought also to myself the like how how legit the title is when it's changing like like this many times. Of course, for obvious reasons. But yep. uh, he was also joking. Oh, so they changed the title again. They still don't like the design. <laughs> so <laughs> that that was that was quite on point there. I believe yeah, there's but, been four versions because there was the unfinished yeah. version when they couldn't get it finished because of the pandemic. There yeah. was the uh, final version, version that was then retired and became the the Brady Lee version that was uh, given yeah. to Negative One. There was the new version which was red strap but slightly different, wasn't it? And now there's um, there's God's version. God's version, yeah, I like that. God's version and the Bulgarian flag. The holy, flag, the holy version. Uh, colors, yeah, um, yeah. But also, like the the promo in general, I also find him hilarious. How he's talking there, he's like, his skills are great. Uh, when you're thinking about that, Lana now C.J. Perry was back then there as his voice, but he can do quite good himself. Although I still want to see her because she's just hilarious as a manager ringside. I think he's so funny, isn't he? Yeah, right. he's great, really. Um, but it's yeah, just I, the I, stuff he yeah. slips in like is so irrelevant. That yeah. His wife can do the splits, but yeah, right. but <laughs> <laughs> a hot wife who can do the splits. A hot wife who can do the splits. The man was hot too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I actually don't know who's next for Miro because you see that uh, Lance Archer is now up for the IWGP uh, US title. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see who's then next. Um, Brian Cage. Oh, this would Brian be, Cage, yes. This would be a nice matchup. Uh, also, I would like to see maybe Christian or so against him, but Christian's now in a feud still, or, you know, somebody like like Massive, nor a little more like like uh, like Miro would be Big great. Big meaty man slapping, mate. Yeah. I, I just, slightly off topic, but speaking of Christian, I would actually like to see Christian, I mean, call me crazy and call me someone who wants to see young talent buried or something, but... I would quite like to see Christian in the world title picture. And it's just like, I, it's not something I want to see done a lot. I want it to be something that's done very rarely, but the kind of um, old timer getting the one last kind of uh, 
shot at the big one, the Rocky story. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I I, I want to see I want to see the Rocky story at least just like once. Do you know what I mean? I I don't want it to become a regular thing um, where they're always putting the title on you know old WWE old old former WWE guys, but. I do, I do want to see Christian in the title in the in the world title yeah. picture. I would at like one to point, see at one mm. point he'll be there, and that's completely completely uh, legitimate because he is still performing on a high level. So exactly, yeah. He's also he also wrestled for less time than Jericho at this point. Yeah, well, yeah. And Jericho was the first champ. <laughs> Christian always struck me. I I can't think of any major injuries he's had. I mean, I'm sure he has, but I can't. I'm sure he was out injured for a while, but I can't think of anything like serious that ever happened to him on, on like a stone cold level or like yeah um, or an edge level even an, or edge, an edge level back. exactly or, or anything like yeah, that he was on a bed level he had to retire so who, who, who christian edge. did yeah. he but did he retire because of an injury or did he yeah, just he, retire he retired because of an injury oh, okay yeah did he really i thought he, he just retired, retired because yes. no no i i don't i don't know i i felt like he just Maybe, retired I think, but... I think it was a bad concussion he got but i'm just gonna look that up okay <laughs> because we are very unprofessional but mm -hmm. was, to be honest was, i wasn't if, sure if why he had retired so i wouldn't be surprised thing, if it is a thing with concussions we're seeing more and more now people who um formerly had to retire because of concussions being able to come back I, I don't know if it's because of better monitoring or whatever mm -hmm. or, or um because it happened obviously happened with Daniel Bryan he got cleared um after after not being because of a concussion so yeah 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 Should Probably, we wait until, uh, Patrick's Patrick. looking it up but um do, 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 do. I I think it's, I don't I don't think you're crazy for wanting Christian occasionally in the uh t in the world title slot I think that's fine what if yeah. I went as far as to say I want to see him win the world title? Just just for a little bit. Just for a Oof. little while. Oof. Maybe you are crazy. Maybe a three-month <laughs> reign. Three-month reign, and then he retires because yeah. he injures himself. <laughs> okay, so it just says that, that he like he had ankle injuries. Okay. And several other injuries in WWE didn't want to let him compete anymore because ah. his body was so fucked up. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, so it wasn't... So it wasn't it was them kind of not clearing him then yeah. Uh, at yeah. one point rather than rather than like one specific big injury that but kind then, of that was sort of the thing towards with Daniel Bryan for a long time was that he was like no I'm totally ready and they're like no we're not we're not putting you on you're not clear yeah but his was his was, his was like an accumulation of the same yes. kind of yeah, injury yeah. Of, of concussions rather than I mean Daniel Bryan if he goes no I'm fine I'm, I'm always like is he though <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is worrying but he doesn't Next. care <laughs> Next up, we had Tony Schiavone interviewing Dr. Britt Baker DMD for possibly the biggest pop of the night, to be honest. I mean, there was a few big ones, but... Um, so, Britt, yeah, comes out, as I say, to a raucous ovation. She says, um, obviously, Tony asks her how she is and with, with her being put through the table. She says not to worry about her, that she's done tables before and many other weapons. Talks about all the kind of weapons she had, thumbtacks and that, in her match with Thunder Rosa. Um, she says the blood stopped and the wounds healed, but she still came out as the baddest bitch on the block. Um, what's uh, difficult for her is keeping Nyla Rose relevant. This is, I just, I love how true some of the promos in AEW are, you know. Um, she mentions that Nyla Rose is on the top of the food chain, but Brit's off the menu. She's special order. Um, crowd were just eating this promo up. This was... Um, uh, obviously, the segment of the night for me was probably the elite drama, but the promo of the night as a pure promo, because I just don't think Cody's really went on long enough. Um, this Britt Baker promo is probably my promo of the night. Um, uh, 
yeah, she says uh, that Vicky's surname uh, will always keep her relevant in uh, in the wrestling world, but Nyla doesn't have that luxury, and that uh, Brit is the hottest thing in professional wrestling, a DMD. Everyone does it with her. Um, at this point, uh, her music's playing, and <laughs> Vicky's like responding by screaming into the camera, but like you can't really hear her because of the music, and Brit's not even obviously not even paying attention to her, and like neither is any of the crowd. I don't think the arena crowd actually saw it. So, um, but anyway, Vicky responds and tells Baker that her days are numbered, and Nyla just uh, says a load, load of nothing, and says that she'll whip her ass. Um, something about beast or beast mode, or uh, I forget. Anyway, um, yeah, let's let's come to Hugh. What did you think of this? Well, uh, I, I, it was fine. I, I love I love Brit. Finally, it took me a while. Came round on her. She's over. I'm liking it, but. Well, we gave her our most improved uh, female um, ah. award last year in the WNK most awards improved because female. Well, because if you think most improved female, because you think at the beginning of that year and she was so awkward. And do you remember the whole kind of what the fuck gift from Tony as yeah, she was cutting yeah. an awkward promo? Like, so weird. I know she, and then and then um, and she just comes so far, not just on promos but in the ring as well, and she's. Um, I saw recently Sean Ross Sapp was saying the kind of mental gymnastics that certain subset of WWE fans will will do to try and discredit W uh, discredit AEW and say that all um you know they're they're just relying on WWE wash ups or former talent. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. two, TNA two but and yet their two most over stars right now are a guy who barely speaks and um and, and a woman neither of which have who have been in involved in in no. WWE in any meaningful kind of capacity so um yeah, yeah. it's true i guess yeah. like the, the vicky and nyla thing uh, you know you said you couldn't hear them that's what i said at the time i was also like this is just so weirdly directed yeah like, it's such a weird thing where it's like she's in the ring people are cheering for her and then they go hey brit you bitch yeah. <laughs> fuck you like, basically <laughs> like and then you're like okay but she's like, clearly not listening yeah <laughs> like, she can't hear you so unless brick you know they can't be sure that brick's gonna go home and watch dynamite because yeah. i mean i i for one i don't listen to our shows unless i'm on, <laughs> <laughs> no, unless, unless i'm not on it do you know what i mean sometimes i will sometimes i will <laughs> want to see how something came out but um no i do you know what I mean? So she's probably not going to go home and, and, and yeah. read one. I mean, she might. She might, you know, the odd one is something special. And that might have been something that she'd done, you know, for the first few months or something yeah. of, of being on Dynamite and, and it being new, being new to a, a big television product. But I think after like two years, you're not going to watch every Dynamite. So, no. so who is Vicky saying this to? You know yeah. I mean? And also, you know, this is just a kind of, I think it was a production error, but like the fact that we can't really hear her. Yeah, and then we do hear Nyla, but that's mostly because the crowd has shut up because that that yeah. bit's over. But like, um, it's it just felt just awkward as fuck. <laughs> like, well, Vicky's Vicky's quite shrill. I don't know if that's a place yeah, yeah. for a woman's voice anymore. But um, no, and it, it's just kind of didn't it didn't cut through the sound no. as well as Nyla's. I don't think as well as it just thing. it felt really. It almost felt like they'd gone, hey, let's just do this now. Oh, and she wasn't enunciating very well either. I think it was just it was just shouting at the yeah. shouting you couldn't hear. It was just a whole lot of noise. But, but you know, like maybe someone backstage had gone, "Hey, I've got an idea," and they'd done it, and maybe it wasn't a great idea, and they could have just left it as it was. You know, <laughs> and um, had Nyla respond next week. You know, exactly like yeah. like you would expect them to. But no, um, 
a pretty poor response to a pretty good promo, I think, mm-hmm. I think you'd agree. Mm-hmm. She went from undesirable to undeniable, I would say. <laughs> she did indeed, with no weird kind of nationalist phase in the middle. <laughs> not yet. Like, like not yet, this time. She's going to be America's dentist soon. America's dentist. <laughs> next up, we had... Oh, well, next up, we had um, John Mox, you responded to Archer, but we've discussed that already. So next up, we had Sammy Guevara versus Wheeler Utah. So it was uh, Wheeler Utah's Dynamite debut. I have to say I'm impressed, but we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, so here's my play-by-play. Uh, Bunny and Blade, well, not Bunny, yeah, Bunny and Blade were at ringside um, watching on, still still butcherless. I'm unsure. We, we were speculating where he was, whether he's on tour or something at the moment with his band. But uh, yeah. Big pop from the hometown crowd for Sammy Guevara. Um, the match starts and Wheeler takes Sammy down with the shoulder, but Sammy backflips over him as he runs at him off the ropes from behind. Sammy taunts with another flip off the ropes. Uh, lightning pace of this match, I was struggling to keep up as each man tries to get the upper hand. Sammy attempts a series of moonsaults and shooting star presses and hits the third. Um, I think it was a, sh- a standing shooting star press even. Uh, Sammy goes up for uh, another shooting star press, this time off the ropes, but Yuta manages to get the knees up. Uh, big front drop kick off the middle rope from Yuta. Uh, German suplex from Wheeler. Uh, was this... There was a German suplex during... No, it wasn't this one. It was during the, it was during the women's match. Um, there was a German suplex that JR incorrectly called as a belly-to-belly, which I thought was weird. <laughs> um, that was later on. Uh, yeah, a German suplex from Wheeler, and he goes up the top for a big splash, um, but Sammy escapes at one. Uh, Enziguri to the back of the head from Sammy, and a springboard cutter, and hits his finisher for the victory, the uh, GTH, I believe it's called, I suppose it means go to hell. Um, yeah, what did you make of this match, Patrick? And, well, what were your what was your impression of Wheeler Utah if you've seen him before, if you haven't seen him before? Um, I personally, I mean, there wasn't a lot of build-up to his debut for me, and I, I know a lot of people who are quite hot on him online were hoping they would kind of uh, hold off on his debut a bit and make sure, you know, it was uh, they did it properly. But, I mean, I was impressed. I don't know about you. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, I just read the name before, but I didn't know who he was. I just also had to look it up. So he's... Uh, uh he is an American, but I think he's he's like because Utah is a is a Japanese name, so maybe he's half American, half Japanese, and he was also in uh, in Chikara as a young lion. So yeah, that's interesting. So let's see what what else comes from him. He's like a prodigy. They said also from uh, from the best friends, which is interesting. He, uh, yeah, yeah, it's that that was a weird connection to me because. And it's again, it's it's one of our most common criticisms. It's already come up once tonight with things like Matt Hardy's finish being called the Leech or stuff like this. They'll they'll do stuff that's been addressed off Dynamite, whether that be on uh, being the Elite or um, Evol or sorry uh, Elevation or uh, Dark or whatever Sammy's vlog or anything like that. They'll they'll take these kind of outside Dynamite third party things or second party it would be even wouldn't it? Um, and um, and act like we're supposed to know as Dynamite viewers. And I don't, you know, I don't think they get their head around just how many people watch Dynamite only. Do you know what I mean? And don't watch don't watch all the extra stuff because it can get quite confusing. Um, that said, I, I, I understand if they're saying this guy's a prodigy because he was fantastic. Like, uh, honestly, he blew me away. It was a really, really impressive debut. Um, and we were kind of 
at this point I'm looking for kind of people to vote for for our for our awards that we meant that I mentioned just a minute ago um at the end of the year and I was really stuck on uh, breakthrough mail um but uh, you know this might be a contender here we'll see where he goes from here but um what about the match itself was this did this hold up compared to uh some of the others in the night I mean it was a very fast paced and athletic encounter for sure yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah, the quality was also very high. Uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't say clearly, but it was kind of, of a squash match or just a show-off match for Sammy oh, Guevara. Yeah. And just like you also said, like just place him in in in, in front of his hometown crowd or mm-hmm. what is supposed to be his hometown crowd. I think, it, um, I think it went the perfect time because I think AEW have, used to have this habit at least of... Um, they don't want to do things WWE's way. They don't want to do squash matches, which is fair enough. You know, squash like squash matches as WWE have come to do them uh, can get quite frustrating, especially when it's someone impressive that you want to see showcased a bit. That you know, that said, AEW would often go way too long with matches that you knew that were you already knew the result of, like clean cut, complete squashes, um, and you know they take them like you know 12 plus minutes or whatever and it's like this this can be done in five do you know what i mean and and i think they did the perfect length for this one for this one for sure yeah yeah that's also what i think uh it was just really fine like also very good showcase of uh of wheeler utah um yeah. but yeah like you said also it was just random that they threw him in the pond and didn't really explain about him um yeah but it's just like yeah that's what what I'm used to AW. I don't call it good, but I'm used to it now that this happens in between. I just hope they're picking up on him a little more, just not showing him off like once in that match to have somebody for Sammy Guevara. But uh, yeah, it was a good match. It was technically great. And Sammy is so over with the crowd now. That's, that's really, really uh, nice to see also. Oh yeah, I mean, it was a hometown crowd, but I think he'll get almost that response anywhere. He's... Um... He's very much over. Hugh, do you have anything to add? No, not really. I just... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would say I just generally agree. Um, I like the, I like you. Uh, he's great. But uh, match-wise, it was a good match. And I liked it. But I was just sort of like, oh, okay. You know, this guy has come up from dark, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, there's no, there's no build to it, I suppose. No. But... No, um, I felt like, oh, is it just that Sammy didn't have a match? And they went, wait, he's Texan. We should yeah, probably give him a match. We should probably give him a match. You know, <laughs> like... But, you know, but, it was a good match. I felt like it was, you know... I like I like Wheeler Ewer. I think he's good. I think, you know, it showed he was a good worker and stuff. But uh, other than that, it's not much to comment on in a way. Yeah. Next up, we had Tony Schiavone interviewing QT Marshall. Um nothing really happened here cutie just dumped some coffee over his head after saying he wouldn't so um can we get uh i'll just come to patrick very quickly patrick how do we feel about cutie marshall thank you thank you patrick next up it was yuka sakazaki versus penelope ford (laughs) um i have a feeling he wants to talk about this so i will come to him first but first i'll give you one of those famous play-by-plays so um we start off with some arm drags from yuka sakazaki and a headlock to start out penelope throws her to the corner but yuka goes up top and gives her a few kicks um yuka bounces off the middle rope to the outside with a cannonball very impressive from her um then uh, Penelope hits a brutal move, driving Yuka's throat into the top rope. 
Um, Ford hits her springboard elbow, followed up with a boot and a German suplex. This is the one that uh, JR incorrectly called a belly to back, uh, no, belly to belly release suplex. Um, there was a double knee drop to the outside by Penelope before throwing Yuka, sorry, to the outside, as in uh, Yuka was on the apron and uh, Penelope went inside out. And then she threw Yuka into the barricade. Uh, Ford brought her back in the ring and locked in the Indian deathlock, but Yuka reaches the ropes. Penelope drags her away from the ropes and locks it in once more, but uh, Yuka gets the ropes again and gets back on her feet. Yuka gets the momentum back with a very nice suplex, very straight lines on it. Um, she hits a Gomangiri and sliding clothesline, um, and then a spinning back Di- a spinning diving back elbow and then hits the magical merry-go-round her signature and then the magical splash her finisher for the win Hugh um, will have a nice long conversation about this because as you know I'm a, I'm a fan of Yukon TGPW I've been seeing her uh, on TGPW quite recently and quite regularly and so it's quite it's quite weird for me to see her there and then see her here do you know what I mean but um, for you as someone who I'm assuming doesn't keep up with TJPW. Um, I don't. I don't just want to assume, but I don't think you do. Um, but you are a fan of Yuko Sakazaki, so I'm assuming this was um, a match you've you've been looking forward to. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was a great match. I love Yuka. I do love her. She's fantastic. She's a crazy genie. She's got this weird, super fast house music she comes into. Yeah. Um, she's so Japanese. It's brilliant. Uh, I felt For- like. The only thing I have is because she's not been around because she's been over in TJPW, I guess, which you're right, I don't follow. Uh, uh, But um, I was just like, oh, so Yuka's back and I guess she's wrestling Penelope Ford. (laughs) It'd be weird, though, because this is the thing. I suppose maybe the original plan was to have her go into program with Britt Baker because AEW seems... They might still, like saying that, it's early doors. She's going to be here like a... I assume a couple of months, um, mm-hmm. but um, you know AEW are quite good at even when it seems like they've forgotten about something for a long time, they will eventually come back to it and wrap it up yeah. like they did with like they did with um, was it the QT Marshall and there was something to do with QT Marshall and the Bunny or oh, yeah. or um, or they weren't you know they weren't they weren't acknowledging the Bunny and Blade were married or they yeah, anyway they yeah. just ignored so stuff QT Marshall was dating the Bunny but everyone's like but she's married to the Blade and then they <laughs> eventually had to work that in and and or the, and then she went you know yeah and then Eddie eventually said something to the Blade like you've got to get your house in order and it's like thank you for actually acknowledging that yeah, they do right. come back to they do come back to stuff eventually um, but yeah no fresh off a loss at cyber fight festival unfortunately for you not unfortunately for me because i was a, i'm a big fan of her opponent and current princess princess champion Mia Yamashita. but um it it was a i think it's a strategic move on tgpw's part which I benefit from to send her away because um it was it was sort of like a cyber fight festival it was sort of like a battle for the ace of tjpw mm-hmm. and obviously yuka's lost it and it's like where'd she go from here? Do you know what I mean? And okay, um, yeah. it's, it's a problem. It's a problem that AEW often have, where uh, you know someone's built themselves up, big themselves up, and they've gone for the the big title, and then they lose. And it's like, well, fuck, what do we do now? Do you know what I mean? What do we yeah, do with yeah, this person yeah. now? They've you know they've talked the talk and they've not followed through. So for Euchre, it's good because she can go on excursion, 
yeah and she can have you know she can have these ma- these fresh matches in in america and then she can come back and there's there's a renewed excitement about her and she can you know go for the maybe go for the title again maybe against a new champion if if uh, uh yamashita is lost by that point but um yeah, no, mm-hmm. um, as a TJPW fan, it's quite exciting for me to see that um, and, and see where she goes in both companies. But, yeah. Um, I, I do have a thing that I feel like the match was kind of short. It yeah. was good, but it was kind of short. I think like, I think Penelope Ford's vastly improved. I think she... Yes, I do think so, yeah. she's mm. Yeah, she was great. They were both good in the match. And it, 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 it did just feel slightly random, but I didn't really mind. I liked having her here. I liked having her having a match. So, yeah. Was, yep. I mean, it's the thought. I think I started a minute uh, a minute ago, but didn't really finish because I got distracted <laughs> talking about TJPW. But um, what they, I, I, you know, there's a chance that they initially wanted her to come back yeah, and address her get a great yeah address her getting her tooth knocked out by Brit and have a rivalry mm-hmm. with that. But now they've seen what how over Brit is, and Yuka Zakazaki is just such a pure baby face yeah. that you know they probably don't you know if if Brit was cutting promos on Yuka she'd she'd get booed uh, and they've got something Maybe. really they've got I, I'm sure she would because mm. like there's nothing dislikable about Yuka Sakazaki even, no. even to per- someone who's casu- you know only casually familiar with her um, so if you just start trashing this kind of happy pure person yeah. like, even you know you're going to lose all that kind of uh, that kind of good faith that even though you're kind of heelish you've kind of accumulated so well, I, I think they want to keep that because Brit's so over at the moment so they did mention was... during the match that she was a Yuka was a Japanese finalist for that title belt yeah so I yeah. mean maybe they are laying some ground for that no no point. that's what I said we might see yeah. it down the road but I think maybe they may have originally intended to come back and then just like interrupt a match not interrupt a match but you know confront her after a match or something like that Mm. I'm glad they're not going for that straight away do you know what I mean I'm Mm. glad they're not going for um, going for Yuka Sakazaki versus Britt Baker straight away maybe maybe when she's been there a little while I'm unsure of how long she's staying but uh, excursions aren't you know determinate but yeah Patrick do you have anything to add before we move on no, just like my, my usual rant that it was completely random the match and I really don't like that they put up just random matches. Also with Penelope it's Ford. It's unavoidable She's, sometimes though, surely. To yeah, but it's like up. Penelope Ford is like the last time she was also in that random match and just that's the only women's match on the card tonight and it's a random match and this is what I don't like because it was a big crowd and everything and they would have appreciated another bigger match. Like at least some build up or so, but apart from what that would, it what was What match would you have booked in its place? Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Thunder Rosa is on on dark elevation for some reason now. It would be also weird to have her now, going for the title or so. But just make it a. I don't know. Build up to another number one contender after Nyla Rose because no one cares about Nyla Rose really. What what Britt really pointed out very well and just bring her like also Penelope bring her because they also showed that in in the in in the footer they just put in like when she, when she enters that. Uh, she has so many uh, wins she has a, like an 8-1 uh, record this year just make like just say something about it that's a stipulation not a special stipulation but when she wins that she's like a number one or anything so you get a little bit from it not that it's completely random how would you have uh, reintroduced Yuka Zakazaki to the American audience um, without it being random yeah this th- th- that's the point like bringing her back um, she did that was uh, I wouldn't say a, prop, a 
yeah, it was a little problem that they were like mostly uh, when she was wrestling in the bubble of other uh, Joshi, Joshi wrestlers and not so many American wrestlers. So it's hard to bring her in like a storyline program. But if they would bring her in and let her challenge, for example, in this case, Penelope Ford, who is like the number one now, like like number two contender or three on the list or so. This would make like a nice uh, impact on it also when she beats her, then like, okay, she's a real good wrestler. She beats number two or so. So that's, I yeah, that's the point a little bit. I suppose, just to play devil's advocate, if they're having her challenger on Dynamite, though, that's a week wasted that she could be wrestling, and we don't know how long has been agreed upon for her to be in the US. You know, they might only have a limited of time to use her, and Yuka Zakazaki is a very good wrestler, and they, yes. want, they probably want to get the most out of her and have... Do you know what I mean? So I, I see it. Unless, you know, unless she challenged her and they had a match the same night or something, but then that involves not advertising it, and, you know, it's, it's a whole mess of stuff. So I, I don't envy them. I don't envy them having to book this stuff. Yeah. Next up, we had... Well, next up, we had a promo for Rampage. Um, there's... Uh, I mean, it was very cool, but there's uh, not many talking points from it except one thing I picked up on, which was the tagline, less distraction, more action. So I'll, uh, I'd like to ask you boys what you think... What implications do you think this has for the style of the show? Do you think we're going to have, well, less distraction, more action? Do you think it's going to be... Um, not a lot of backstage segments or um or what because surely maybe that would make it just like darker elevation if that was the case um yeah what 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 are your thoughts on well firstly the the promo overall and um and that tagline uh let's come to patrick first because i can come to you first quite a bit um it, it looked a little bit like like a thunder <laughs> or not it looked like it, it reminded me of thunder <laughs> the yeah. second wcw show uh but i liked also was like it was was very cool well, very well made um yeah that's a good question i was also asking that or just thinking about that myself like how this will this will influence the product itself i don't know yet i think when they're doing like a third hour of dynamite they will have probably two matches in it and a little bit of segments so they can um but it's less distraction more action so will they have that many segments yeah that's the question that's a good question i'm I'm not sure in the end they the, uh, they will scrap that anyway i guess because they th- they don't think like that that the uh, audience will be uh will be just remembering that as well as we are doing that now at some point, yeah. I but, guess. I mean, they, they must have said it for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Less less yeah. distraction than what? And the only thing you can think of is dynamite. And it's like, well, we don't we don't see the backstage stuff as a distraction. Sometimes that's some of the best stuff on the show. So, yeah. um, you know, the interviews and whatnot. But, yeah, uh, and the interviews are very, very small when you compare it to a WWE product. Like, time-wise, the matches are quite long. And yeah. the uh, backstage seg- segments and everything is like max, like two or three, four, five minutes. No, not even five minutes, I would say. I mean, obviously, I, I follow promotions where there is very little backstage stuff, you know, pure Riso stuff, like Japanese stuff. But, you know, that's the whole product, you know what I mean? And they tell their stories in the ring. So I'm not sure if that would work for AEW to have a show that did that when they also have stories going on on Dynamite. It's like, well, yeah. why, are you, why are you talking trash on Dynamite but not on... But then shutting up on Rampage? Like, it's just be a kind of... I don't know. It might make it a weird dynamic if they try and make it more, you know action based and less I don't know we'll see Um, I just thought that was a weird thing to point out next up was the main event Darby Allen versus all ego Ethan Page in a coffin match so uh, the coffin comes out to some pretty OTT music I must say with some um, some budget druids 
Um, one of them, one of them, like he was like super gothy, wasn't he? He had like long black hair and like I don't know. It was um, it, it was it was odd. Anyway, um, but amazing to see Darby Allen skating to the ring again because um, obviously he hasn't been able to do that without any kind of long ramps. Um, and the crowd, you know, predictably popped for him like crazy. Uh, the match starts as soon as Darby hits the ring because he charges straight at Paige, as you would expect him to. Um, he takes off his jacket to reveal a metal plate uh, taped to his back, and um, he hits the springboard coffin drop with the metal plate on his back. Uh, Scorpio Sky emerges from the coffin and takes out Darby, but Sting comes down to even the odds. Uh, huge pop because it's, you know, uh, first time a crowd this size outside of Jacksonville has seen Sting since he signed for AW. Um, or, you know, any crowd outside of Jacksonville. Uh, Sting throws um, Scorpio Sky over the barricade and takes him through the crowd, and beats him down with a trash can. Um, they did miss some action on that, which was disappointing. Um, there was a Stinger splash that got missed, but then, you know, they kept cutting back and forth. They, the camera crew didn't seem to know who to focus on, the production guys. But uh, anyway, um, Darby, and, Darby and Ethan ended up spilling into the crowd also. Um, Darby jumps off the tunnel over the stairs um, into the arena but Ethan catches him and drives him into the guardrails one then the other Ethan carries Darby back to the ring Paige at this point introduces the steel steps He uh, at some point the turnbuckles got disconnected so the whole pole the whole posters, the ring post has been um, pulled up and Paige kisses the hook on the bottom of it um, and then uh, links up with Darby's chain that he has around his neck and kind of drags him around the ring a little bit by that. Um, Darby battles back and uh, gets a measure of um, poetic revenge on Ethan Hook by getting the... Ethan Hook? Ethan Page by getting the hook himself and uh, putting it in Ethan's mouth like fish hooking him like he's caught a fish. Um, Darby drop kicks the steel steps, uh, which ricochet into Ethan Page, sending him uh, under the ropes and into the coffin. Both of them end up getting inside the coffin, tra trading strikes. Ethan slaps Darby over and over until Alan bites his finger to escape. Um, Ethan has become busted open by this point. Darby hits a stunner off the steel steps and then tries to hit the coffin drop uh, onto the steel steps. But instead, Ethan Page hits a brutal ego's edge on Darby onto the steps. Um, Page tries to toss Darby into the coffin, but Darby rakes his eyes and bites him uh, once more. Darby drops, does that kind of thing where he drops his skateboard. You know, I, I suppose, what would they call it? Dropping in on uh, in skateboarding terms onto Page's back and then pushes him into the coffin for the win. And then after the match, Alan hits the coffin drop I marked out for this I must say it's the coffin drop on the closed coffin going through the lid of it and uh, you know hurting Ethan Page even more and himself probably almost as much Hugh what did you think of our main event of the evening mm, it's a good match I loved it I loved it great fun it was mental it was violent uh, Sting appears to be the most sensible man in wrestling in that when people run at him he kicks them yeah. <laughs> so you got you know but uh yeah I, I found that fun sting thing there was a bit of a problem like you said with deciding who they were going to film during yeah. that but um just everything was kind of fun darby he still did his usual thing of basically getting battered a lot but then he... thing, i was really hopeful when he came out and he did the um 
he did the, the thing metal with the, thing. the metal plate on his back. I was like, okay, this might be a more measured contest now. Um, I don't think he got battered too much through the match. I thought no. this was. I thought this was much. This was much more balanced for me than the yeah. uh, than the Matt Hardy match. The, the one thing I will say though um, that ticked me off was uh, him taking that ego's edge, um, and then. Uh, but it wasn't like there was any break, you know, between if 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 Paige was possibly um, like exhausted by this point um, or losing blood or whatever, some sort of reason to to give some sort of delay between that move mm-hmm. and um, trying to put him in the coffin. But that fucking move, that ego's edge onto the onto the steel steps off off the top rope onto yep. the steel steps. And then, Dar- you know, he tries to put Darby and Darby's got all his sense. He immediately tries to put him in the coffin and Darby's got all his wits about him like nothing just happened. You know what I mean? That that kind of dented it a little for me. That said, you know, I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was a good match. I, sure. I, yeah, I just thought, no, I was going to say, like, I, he did do the thing where he gets takes a lot of damage, but I guess he didn't, felt more, he felt stronger. It didn't feel like it made him look and- as... Like a lot of his TNT matches basically looked like he was getting beat up and then at the last minute he just kind of won. There's a lot of that going on and I don't think he had that that in this match. No, it was much better. It was much better. So I feel like I'm just nitpicking now. Although the move he did where he dropped dropped in onto Paige's back, that that kind of didn't feel like it should have... Because here's the thing, like I've seen, we've seen a lot of coffin matches, and a lot of them, a buried alive mm-hmm. match is, is a form of coffin match, so they get buried alive, so they can't get out of the coffin after that. The mm-hmm. most recent one I've seen was a, oh, what was it? It was it was a barbed wire coffin death match in DDT between Chris Brooks and um, Shunma, oh, I can't remember his name, Katsuyama, I think, yeah, um, from from Sauna Club. Okay. Um, they uh it was a it was a essentially it was what it sounds like it was a a, bu- a coffin filled with barbed wire um that they had to put their opponent in ow uh yeah ow indeed ddt um, bro yeah the way he went into it as well was a missed move off the top so we literally ow. just dove, dove straight into the coffin full of barbed wire it was insane like um ow. it was for, yeah for the for the extreme title but after the match chris brooks nailed the coffin shut <laughs> so so it was like okay so that's keeping him in there and then um Shunma's uh buddies from Sauna Club came out and carried him out um it, coffin and all they didn't get him out they, they took the okay, coffin backstage okay. so um yeah uh but then Darby in this match Darby drops in onto his back um and, and again his back not his head or anything like that no and then it, it, uh Ethan Page falls into the coffin and then he just shuts the lid yeah but it wasn't like it wasn't locked or anything. It wasn't nailed no. shut. It wasn't. Um, I did because because obviously obviously obviously, time, obviously it doesn't automatically lock or anything because no. Scorpio Sky was inside it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it. yeah. I did actually say to Patrick at the time, coffin matches often have a weird thing where I like the match, but the finish always feels slightly underwhelming to me. Yeah, of when they actually get them in. So I thought the match was good, but then he just goes bam, slut shut, and I went, that eh, was a bit underwhelming. Bam, slut shut. <laughs> Yeah, we found the title of the name. Bam slut title shut. Of the episode. Bam slut shut. But but like um, yeah, like even even ones in WWE where they have the whole buried alive setup, I'm always a bit like, I mean, I get it, but uh, like I feel like often I don't find there's that much punch to the ending. I did actually quite like his, you know, his coffin drop through the coffin. I thought that 
was excellent. Oh, I loved it. And obviously he would stay down for that. So yeah. maybe if he did that a little sooner, that would. But obviously then you wouldn't have had the time to drink in the victory if he'd just done no, that and no. then immediately gone up top and hit the coffin drop. But I did it, also. But... I just thought it'd be really funny if if Derby was fine after that, but somehow that had injured Ethan Page. Yeah, <laughs> but like I, I just I I find it hard to suspend disbelief that the move that put Ethan Page away mm-hmm. kept him from just pushing open the coffin lid and getting mm-hmm. out for like two minutes and, while Darby's celebrating the before rule? he hit the if, coffin if, if he shuts it and then he reopens it, I'm assuming he still counts as having lost. I assume. Yeah, if the lid shut, yeah. So yeah. he's you know. Page could have just got out and walked away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, so I, I think there needed to be. I think there needs to be a much uh, more impactful move from Derby to finish it. Um, whether whether that was maybe um, he kind of did that drop in move and then Ethan kind of fell down to the apron and then Derby went back up to the top and hit a coffin drop on him on the apron, maybe two coffin drops. Do you know what I mean? And then just pushes him into the you know something like that mm-hmm. could have kept him down for longer but what actually happened i find a hard time believing would have kept him uh down throughout mm-hmm. derby celebration before he hit the coffin drop through the lid yeah um, yeah i can see that i'll just throw it over to patrick uh patrick thoughts on this match and obviously you can, you can be a bit more positive because i've just been so negative there but i did i, I do want to reiterate i did really really enjoy this and and really mark out for the finish and and, and a couple of other points as well so yeah, first of all, the match was approved by Jesus. Uh, that was the most important thing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Jesus in the crowd, and then people yeah, chanting right. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Je- <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. I also was a little annoyed by the by the uh, by the cut. The director, like the life director, I knew you did, would be. You're very, oh. you're very. I know it gets your guy. Yeah, I was like, problems. who's doing that production? Like, really, just like, and, and there was nothing happening in the ring, and I'm like, why are you switching over? There's no obvious reason for it. But yeah. anyway, apart from this, I like the uh, finish he did on the steps. That was quite brutal. Um, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. The whole match build-up was also like Darby was presented in a in a good way again. Like he he was presented in that way again. Like he can take a big bump or <laughs> several big bumps, but still can fight himself back. But and not being the the wrecking ball who was tossed around all the time. It was much better, wasn't it? Like, yeah. like it's 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 funny because people listen to us bitch about you know the other matches he's been in and how we don't want him to just be the superman stuff and they'll say stuff like oh well how do you want someone the size of derby to be booked or something how do you this is how i want him to be booked <laughs> look at this this is how yep. i want derby allen exactly. to be booked um yeah and i i did not like sorry i did not like the uh the metal thing he had in the beginning like I on didn't. his back it looked like a windshield protection you put mm-hmm. on so the car doesn't get like when it freezes you don't have to scratch in the morning it looked like this so <laughs> he, if it, it would be yeah yeah that's what it was if it would be legitimate he could just just take in the back of, a, of an armor of of a knight or so <laughs> and jump i mean, it, jump I mean if that. it was props to getting some knight armor in the 21st century you know <laughs> if anything that's impressive um, he has a lot of money he spends on shit so i, I think that would be a good investment yeah, mostly uh, well, runs. well he's gonna he's gonna be in he's gonna be in the new jackass film isn't he because bam margera yeah. um was kicked from the group uh, yeah. so so they needed a they need a new person darby allen's gonna be in it so um exciting um yeah. Hopefully, bring some more eyes to AEW as well. Um, no, the um, the one thing I did notice, one really good thing, one big positive, and not just for this match, but for the whole show, is probably because of the the fact they've got a big crowd to entertain now. Their the action 
in during the ad break on fight is much more exciting than it was yeah, at Daly's place. Definitely. Much, much more exciting. And like I said, not just this match, but every match. We'll, we'll mention about this match first. And that was the thing that happened during the break in this match was they fought into the crowd, up into the crowd. And Darby took that dive off of the um, off of the bridge over the, uh, over the stairs, uh, the tunnel over the stairs, and, and got caught by Ethan and slammed into the guardrails. And it's like, shit, that was in the break. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's, you know, no way they would have done stuff like that at Daly's place during the break um, and you know it was like I said it was in every match during this like the women's match um, Penelope Ford that was when she did her she locked in her Indian death locks which are like a finisher of hers I think mm. so or or, uh, or at least a signature so you know there was that's big action during the breaks and yeah it was it was all night and so you know much more improved from the Daly's play shows uh, it just shows how much we've missed the crowd not just that the crowd kind of elevates the atmosphere more but also that um they put on the very best show they can for a crowd a large crowd of that size so they don't lose their energy during the break do you know what i mean whereas they can be a bit more complacent at daily's place yeah and also now since they are live again uh they, they really show what's happening during the commercial break like in daily's place because it was pre-recorded they just even muted the signal also for fight that you couldn't see it and they just also did a, a commercial break break in yeah. there yeah so yeah but that that's way nicer now but i didn't notice it was in the break i can't remember because <laughs> it's just so fluid when you watch it on fight at some points but uh yeah yeah no it's well that's a good thing because the at daily's place i'm sure sometimes you realize you're in the break just by the fact that they'd done a two-minute wrestled do you know what i mean but now you, yeah. you could you know if, if they if the commentators didn't tell you you probably wouldn't you know you might not immediately be able to pinpoint when the break was unless maybe you kind of like super analyzed it do you know what i mean so yeah. it's um it's really good stuff yeah um what were your thoughts on the finish of this match and what i i said about the um about whether it was enough to keep page down for as long as he was down or yeah i was i, I said that also to you like uh, it's it's in in this match because you also said that the, like the, the the finish is always like underwhelming like because even yeah just it's because of the stipulation but i also thought it now it's like yeah he just does a move like uh, he, did he do a coffin drop on him i just no no he now. didn't you know he didn't coffin drop him it, that's the thing it wasn't even a finisher it was his it was his drop in the skateboard onto the back it was the ah, yeah, th that thing jumped. exactly and yeah. then he fell into the coffin he closed the coffin and then my first thought was like after 30 seconds or so a minute i was like yeah if i if i'd be like hurt or so would i stay in the coffin <laughs> all well, the I time think... because you could open the coffin easily like the wwe coffins are like quite massive and big so maybe there it makes sense that you cannot open them when you're inside of the coffin and then also yeah. the break between closing the coffin and doing the coffin drop was a little long so he could have done that directly and then i'm being like okay good that makes yeah more that's sense what now. that's what i said yeah. but then i think they needed time for the finish to absorb and and you know so i understand why they waited so long for him to wait a, a minute or so and let him uh let him celebrate before hitting the coffin drop through the lid but at the same time it does throw in the problem of why hasn't ethan page just stood up and walked away because <laughs> yeah i think i think i think um i think you or me could probably take a skateboard to the back like that and and still stand up you know we'd, we'd be like we'd be like oh fucking hell that yeah. really that really smarts yeah but, like it's not a skateboard I think... with thumbtacks you know <laughs> yeah well did that did it have thumbtacks on that one no not not on this one no no oh no, oh, no. so you know even that um 
yeah, no. I just, I, I think, I think it would hurt like a bitch. But I think after about thirty seconds, I might be able to stand up. Do you know what I mean? As, and yeah. wrestlers are more impervious to, uh, yeah, to damage than us. Do you know what I mean? So. And also oh. doing the the move then on uh, Ethan Page was in the coffin. First thing I said to you, that must be one of the most uncomfortable wrestling moves he took because he doesn't see him. He doesn't know when he's coming. The only thing he knew that he was coming when he was dragging the the coffin in the right position. Mm. Then he was like, okay, next few seconds I'm gonna be hit, and then. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that's such a good point. That's mm. that would be terrifying. Yeah, completely. Yeah, wouldn't it? Not then I would be super okay. tense, laying in the in the casket, and then or in the coffin, and then be like super tense, like, "Hey, he's coming! He's coming! He's coming! He's coming! He's coming!" And then absolute balls smash. to Ethan Page on that man. That's yeah. that's. I mean, I suppose he might. He probably would get a sense of when it's coming just by listening for the crowd, like you know, yeah, listen for own oh like that, like when. Um, when when you know that you heard them when they realized what Darby was about to do you know when he was stood up on the ropes looking back and stuff but even so like it, you know he, you'd be worried that you'd miss it or that you wouldn't hear it properly I mean uh, in in an arena I'm sure you know it can be hard to tell what sound is what and stuff as well so he probably didn't know that there was all he knew was okay sometime in the next two minutes a man is going to come crashing through the lid of this yeah. uh this coffin and fucking you know get wood all over me and shit but um yeah <laughs> nice laughing very mature guys um i mean this is this is all assuming that there wasn't some like elaborate escape device for him like under the ring yeah. or something yeah. but um i didn't i didn't see him in the coffin afterwards but who you know we'll see i don't want to break the magic but yeah um yeah fantastic match though um which leads us into probably a good place to ask you guests first. Hugh, what was your match of the night? It's a good question. Hmm. I know there was a lot, wasn't there? There were a lot of good matches. Um, mm. You know, I'm probably just going to give it to Ethan Page, though, and uh, Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. It's the one I can remember the most from, so therefore I assume it was my match of the night. <laughs> well, it was also the last one. But... Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Patrick, same question. And same answer here. Same answer. <laughs> and like in general, the match cut was great and the matches were great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think because of the stipulation, this is also a reason. It was good. And then plus the stipulation is something special for me. So this is why it made it more special to me also. For me, I'm torn between the first match and the last match, which is how That's it should point. be. Your best, your the US title match or this one, the best matches of the night should really be. The, your first match and the, if you know unless if you can't have all blinders all throughout the show then your first your best match should be the opener to get people really jazzed up and then the closer so they've you know they're fantastic perfect booking um oh i don't have to choose do i because we've already got two two for you I, I i can't choose between the two let's just uh i'll, I'll say the main event just to you know because yeah, i okay. i there was some big mark out moments as a pure wrestling match definitely the first one um definitely uh moxley and anderson they had fantastic chemistry that i i wasn't expecting them to have because i mean i suppose they they've, pro- they've probably faced each other in wwe quite a bit didn't they i'm not um, sure but it would make sense at some point right because they were how many years three years in wwe yeah 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 because i was trying to cast i was trying to cast my match my mind back to when they might have faced each other before that because they were saying they started out like maybe um you know I, I can't even remember on the indies or something, but then I was like, oh, hold on, I don't have to go that far back. They were in WWE together. So, um, yeah, no, but they had fantastic chemistry. And, um, yeah, the the coffin match, again, this is just... AEW are, like, they're back on top form right now. Like, the stuff 
the stuff that used to make us roll our eyes and we're like, this is so stagnant, like Darby Allen and Ethan Page. Like, remember how much we hated this to begin with? And now it's like, I was like, oh, this is just, this is top tier shit. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And t- stuff like Team Taz and just they're making stuff that wasn't interesting at Daily's Place interesting on the road. Um, and just, yeah, um, great, great stuff. Patrick, would you like to give us, I'll let you go first and then I'll go go for mine. Would you like to give us your... Um, your heel moment of the week. I'm I'm, I'm quite torn. I, d- I really don't know. There was no particular heel moment which stood out completely in this show where, where I directly said, okay, that's the heel moment of the night. Uh, but I'm going to Kenny Omega. That It just made me laugh. Every w- time. Laugh. Yeah, because it just made me laugh because it was such a good heel thing like uh, saying to Adam Page, you and your, you're a bunch of goons. I like yeah. that. Like this reference <laughs> to the Goonies and yeah. Like, God damn it from Mason Riga there. Um, yeah, for me, I usually go the shocker of the week first, don't I? But I'll let you go first this week. For me, the shocker of the week, probably. Um, and it's not, see this thing, it's, it's so good right now that there aren't really any shockers right now. Um, probably the only thing I can think of would be um, Vicky Guerrero and Nyla Rose's response to um, to the Britt Baker promo, which, like I say, it's not you know it's not a huge shocker, but that's that's all I've got, which is a sign of a good episode of episode of Dynamite. There we go. Um, yeah, that that brings us to well the end of end of our talking about um, Fighter Fest Night One. Uh, we have night two to look forward to. And Patrick, do you have the card for that pulled up? Completely professionally prepared. I don't have, but I have it in my mind a little bit. So in the time where I'm uh, browsing for it and just talking over it and just, you know, I can already say that there's the IWGP uh, US title match. It's a Texas death match between um, John That's Moxley and Lajaj. Yeah, fuck me twice. You're like, I cannot... Oh, you have it open. Two dinners. Okay, <laughs> okay. Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose for the AEW title, and yeah, we had that already. Chris Jericho versus Sean Spears with a special stipulation where uh, Sean Spears is allowed to use a chair, and Orange Cassidy versus The Blade, and these these are the matches so far. Yeah, those are yeah. the ones to find so far. Yeah. Our um, then they still not have announced uh, when the Santana Ortiz FTR match is going to be. Then I, yeah, I right. they probably say I, that for all out, right? All out, yeah. I'm also pretty sure. Right. Well, uh, we just have one more order of business for the end of the show, and that is. Less important shows, and we open with the news that D.H. Smith, Harry Smith, whoever has uh, signed again for uh, WWE, the former tag team partner of Lance Archer. What was your reactions to this, fellas? Either I mean, you can go first. I mean, I was like, oh, really? Okay. That was it, ah. really. You know, um, I like him. He's a good wrestler, D.H. Smith. Well, I didn't oh. see it coming because he's been involved in like blood sport, and he's you know yeah. I don't know. I was I wasn't expecting him to show up at WWE. I, I know when he left WWE, one of the first time he left, he basically just said, "Well, I I couldn't do half of my moves because they thought they were dangerous." It was one of the things that put him off. Yeah, like he wasn't allowed to do certain holds he'd learn in Japan and things like that. And I I wonder if they just offered him enough money this time to go. All right, I'll just. I'll wrestle less interestingly you know <laughs> like well if that's not enough to 
whet your whistle. Um, there is apparently, Dave Meltzer has reported the plan. Well, the plan in WWE apparently is for WrestleMania is to work towards a Roman Reigns versus The Rock match. Hmm. But because um, Roman Reigns has been doing the kind of the head of the table thing, hasn't and the he? the king of Samoans. The, yeah, no, the head of the family. And, uh, and, you know, drilling home the thing that he's the boss of the family. And then The Rock is in his family. So The Rock will be like, hold on, jabroni. Oh, okay. Um, so the, the plan is for them to do a singles match. And that's what they prefer. However, with them not wanting to injure the rock it might end up being a tag team match um with the rock and whichever the usos is the face one at that point versus um roman reigns oh, okay. and, and other uso um yeah what 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 are, well both your thoughts on that well i shan't be watching that um, <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna watch it if it's a singles match i am for sure no, no, uh, I, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong with that idea, to be honest. I just don't. Yeah, it doesn't mean much to me. I'm afraid. Uh, I love. I I still love The Rock, and I actually think, love the Rock. in many ways, Roman Reigns has actually gotten better. But I I still basically just, don't watch yeah. WWE anyway, and that's not enough to bring me back. No. Um. The thing with Roman Reigns is, like, I when I see him, I still don't rate him as an in-ring performer. And when people say he's improved, I think it's the fact that he's doing some fantastic character work right now is the thing. Some really good heel work. And his mic, sk- his mic skills have come a long way from Suffering Sakatash then. Do you know what I mean? So credit where credit's due. I still just don't like his style. Do you know what I mean? I just don't like... I don't... I don't like that I can count the wrestling moves he does on one hand during a match, you know what I mean? And, and the rest are just strikes and waiting around. And it's just, it's just not, it's not my cup of tea, but I can appreciate, I can appreciate what he is doing right now. And I think if he's like the hottest heel in wrestling right now, then I, I can see the, the big drawing potential of a match versus one of the best baby faces of all time. Like, do you know what I mean? So I don't know what, if you're excited for it, Patrick, I mean, Hugh might not be watching. Would you be watching that? I don't know if I would be watching it. I don't know. I'm just oh, like, when on. you, I'm when you mentioned it, one. I was rolling with my eyes. I was like, oh, really? why always bringing the rock back. So when they had this return uh, of him, just getting the title in that time when CM Punk just said, I oh, just go and screw you guys. I was completely on, on Punk's side there because it's yeah, just but... so, I just, this is what I don't like. Also, Brock Lesnar will be coming back in the next week. Goldberg's coming back also Goldberg so like I'm like yeah it's just this this just shows on how they were lacking building big stars the last years just bringing them back especially for Wrestlemania because on Wrestlemania is where the stars of the company get like to show off everything and their skills and people are excited for it but they didn't create it for me for a lot of years so I don't know if I would watch it. Probably I would watch it, but I'm not paying yeah. for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in the lifetime and it happened twice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly that point. <laughs> well, AEW beat uh, beat them in a demo this week, didn't they? One of their big shows. I don't know if it was SmackDown yep. or Gods. Yeah, they yeah. beat Raw this week. So that's that's quite yeah. big news. And they also I mean, is almost it, sold out Raw. the... <laughs> yeah, but but still, it's it's like but a years like ago, a big audience. So yeah, and this is the thing; they seem to be just they seem to be right in their own kind of death warrant with this stuff. With with like you say, and it's been years in the making, even maybe a decade and a half in the making, maybe longer of them. Not like you say, like they're relying on on older talent, and they're put they're not just relying on older talent; they're putting over older talent. They're not just coming; they're not just bringing them back to give people the rub. Do you know what I mean? So it's like. And and they can't. Are you then not surprised when when um, they can't build stars 
anymore like Stone Cold Steve Austin or like The Rock or like Brock Lesnar or like Kurt Angle. Do you know what I mean? When they don't have and and you know I'm being generous with the last two. Obviously, they're not on the same level as Stone Cold or The Rock or Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair. But you know they're not they're not they don't got superstars anymore. And and you look at you look at AEW and the pops that people get there. And they're and like Sean Ross yeah. said, they're, they're they're not the people that came from WWE. They're yeah. they're Britt Baker, they're Orange Cassidy, they're um, Darby Sammy Allen. Allen. Yeah, Sammy, do you know what I mean? Sammy so Guevara. they're the people. Yeah. So yeah, Sammy Guevara. They're they're the ones getting the huge pops. Hangman Page. Yeah. Like that and this is this is their problem and and i think i think it's dangerous for them in the long term honestly like like i don't think they're going to run out of money anytime soon with the, with their saudi arabia money but i mean they're, they're I firing more and more people to make it more efficient now so well i yeah. uh, the, well, one of the big rumors of that was reasons yeah, no one of the big <laughs> one of the big reasons apparently i don't know if this is true or not because it got reported and then um and it was like the general consensus and then people were like oh that's not it you're talking shit and so it was just a rumor and then it, and then it was again but it was just a rumor floating around that vince was planning to sell wwe and yeah. so they were so they were firing people um as hugh said like a, a, before a certain quarter to make the company seem more profitable than it is Mm. yeah um but you know to buy by releasing contracts and um not having not not ha not paying out their wages so i mean um, it wouldn't surprise me if they were just doing that anyway not even if vince wasn't going to sell it well because it's a publicly traded company and they yeah, got shareholders exactly they, like one of the problems with publicly traded companies to get a bit political is that the people who run them have to are basically based on how much they bring in and they cheat it a lot and it's a very famous problem so it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if wwe just does that you know yeah and, so, and, and, and and yeah you look at like braun Strowman was a big surprise and i think he was on a lot of money so it's yeah, like yeah. you know they they could have looked at their highest earners and if you think about the highest earners in wwe you got your roman range you got you think which of these is so it was, it was a shock that braun Strowman was released compared to um you know someone on the lower card someone yeah, much exactly. lower down but it's only a surprise when you're thinking purely from a wrestling head standpoint just in the vacuum of wrestling when you're thinking mm -hmm. of it from a business standpoint it's not actually that surprising at all no, no, no. when you line braun Strowman up against people who are making a similar amount of money than him and think wow how is he here but jinder mahal is on something like 900 grand a year yeah yeah <laughs> Because of this ridiculous because the Indian market, yeah. yeah, but they're not even using them, are they? I haven't, no, not really. Oh, they are, they might maybe be now, just, maybe just for the Indian market, like a dark match or so. They they, they he, just televised for the market or so. Maybe he's on NXT India and we just don't know about it, <laughs> but they, yeah, um, but obviously, yeah, they didn't, they obviously didn't get rid of him because of the Indian market, but um, yeah, yeah, but it just brought... makes sense a bit, like what you said. Sorry, like uh, when I think about uh, uh, Tommy and or Malachi Black now that he just had a 30 day non complete, uh, non compete clause and not a 90 day, maybe they're just they did that on intention so they can fire him easier because the the wrestler or superstar then says, Yeah, okay, when it's 30 days and I'm just going to scrap my contract, maybe yeah. that's easier for them to release also, people. yeah, they, they didn't want to be paying him, so yeah, yeah. No, the I think, yeah. In in an interview, uh, Malachi Black said that you know he he they just didn't update the contract when he went to the main roster, so yeah. mm. um, he just kept quiet about it. But there might have been, you know, a fact that WWE knew about it as well. So um, yeah. like you say, there's and they just didn't, I, you know, they want. I'm Sorry, also pretty sure it it depends on many factors, but I think actually these non competes are quite hard to enforce anyway. 
Yeah. So they might not really be worth it, but uh, companies that can afford to enforce them can, and WWE probably is one of them. To the be, thing is, it, it wouldn't you know? be like they were... It, if, if Malachi Black had a 90-day and they they fired um, and he worked for another he, he was in breach of that when he had debuted for AEW they wouldn't they wouldn't care about suing Malachi Black personally but they would sure as hell care about AEW and yeah. damaging AEW do you know what I mean especially and that's probably AEW's point of view on it too is that they have to be careful because they're the ones who are going to end up in court right yeah. like... and it makes it just all this shit, talk about like the money and stuff it it, it makes you wonder about Samoa Joe because I think the it's reason that there's a big because uh, he was he was released in the round of releases and then almost yeah. immediately rehired again and there was there's a lot of uh, speculation that it's because he was on a performer's salary and they wanted to put him on an announcer salary but they yeah. couldn't do that without first terminating his contract ah, so maybe. yeah just makes sense then yeah so were they yeah. downgrading his salary but he had it yeah in they, were, they were essentially uh, you know if you were Samoa Joe he, this is the thing maybe he doesn't have the um Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he can't go like he used to anymore. Do you know what I mean? No, because no. If, if I was, you know, if you were Samoa Joe and they did that to you and said, said, all right, you're fired. Actually, no, don't worry about it. We're just firing you so we can rehire you and pay you less. You'd be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go wrestle up you. Fuck off. But, but, um, he's also a huge, he's an indie darling, really. It's, it's yeah, exactly. He's get work anywhere. WWE so long, in a way. I was just, yeah. I mentioned <laughs> it on a podcast because we recorded up a podcast once between the time when he was fired and rehired. And I was so excited to see him in the G1 climb max man but like he might not be able to go like he used to like i said so mm. you know even though even though it was a dick move from wwe to do what they did maybe that's the best option for him i can think of about five spots where i wouldn't be surprised if he had permanently injured himself to be fair yeah, yeah. like like or others down the, the famous flip <laughs> down the stairs yeah where he basically lands directly on his tailbone <laughs> you know so. oh yes yeah. was that a match with kurt angle yeah into, yeah, I think so yeah, TNA. There was the, yeah. yeah, we broke his coccyx or something, but he yeah, didn't yeah, like yeah. permanently injure himself. Yeah, that's one I was thinking of as well. But yeah, but yeah. well, that brings us to the end of our show. So, yeah. have you had fun, Hugh? Oh, it's been great. I was I was a bit hungover this morning, and I've just started to get my energy back, like around the time we were starting. So there you go. <laughs> well, you're uh, you're off somewhere uh, in about twenty five minutes, aren't you? I am. I have a show. I'm going to do, do wanna... some stand-up comedy at the Secret Cellar for the Saturday Night Showcase. So if you are our one listener in Reykjavik who's not uh, one of these two, then mm-hmm. go go check them out. I mean, there's I mean, no point check now out because, yeah, tonight. you can't check out this one because uh, this will <laughs> go I'm out after. at least every other week. I'm on either Friday or Saturday, so it's okay. There you <laughs> go. Go see Hugh. At, at yeah. where is it again? The Secret Cellar in Reykjavik. Like you got a 6A. And uh, is there any is there any podcast other podcast you appear on you might want to plug right now? There's this there's this one I do with this um this guy Mauricio is called uh, the Western Bias Podcast. I'm also on that sometimes occasionally. Western Bias Podcast. First time hearing of this. I've been on it no times, even though one time you were down to like your fourth or fifth choice person. Uh, Well, (laughs) that that just makes now you know you're number six or seven. Um, (laughs) Dick. We'll Um, get you on one day. It's fine. I don't want a pity feature. Well, then don't complain. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but that's at Western Biascast on Instagram. You can find our campsite there. And we're on basically everywhere where there's podcasts, apart from YouTube, because I'm too lazy to sort that out. Uh, well, I hope you've all enjoyed Hugh's last ever feature on WN. Are you off to watch him, Patrick, or are you... 
now I'm not off to watch him. No, no, I'm just gonna uh, have some dinner now and then. Uh, no, I, I, no, I didn't see you at the festival. To be honest, no, he didn't see my festival. <laughs> no, no, but he was always late. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm getting old. Like he only had the eleven o'clock slot yeah. in the evening during I, the I week had three and stuff. Shows and they were all after ten p.m. Yeah, that's too and late one for of me. Them I gave up because it was at midnight. So I said, I don't want that. <laughs> so, yeah, Hugh, you might be able to confirm this for me. Apparently, there's a rule um, amongst like comedy performers where um, you have to keep performing until uh, the the performers on stage outnumber the audience. Um, so, in stand-up shows, they'll they'll sometimes perform to one person and they'll they'll uh, yep. they'll they'll keep doing it until that one person has left. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty. It was, it was on an episode. It was I mean, on an episode of QI. Mics but, to six people, but there's been eighteen comedians in the room. Oh, not <laughs> in the room, but on stage. Times. So it's like if you've got like an improv group or something. Because I think it was on uh, on QI, um, like maybe like an agreement. It, it's like a thing, like an agreement with like the organisers or something like mm. that that you can get out of. Um, but yeah, it was an episode of QI, and I don't know if it was Anna Davis or someone was saying they were doing something with like a a comedy troupe or something like um, five of them in a library, and they they ended up performing to like five people, and then like <laughs> at one point a, a couple went up and like and just like that they were like in the know of it and just like came close to the stage and just like whispered do you want us to leave <laughs> like <laughs> just so they can stop well uh, uh, I mean so. we don't get that so much but there is um, I mean it's definitely a thing where every now and then you show up all bright and ready to do a show and you think people will be there and for some reason on Friday night in Reykjavik no one's there and you go all right, well, six of us are going to entertain four people. I'll see you later. Be, you know. That sounds very awkward. Yeah, it, that it happens. is. And yeah. if you go to Edinburgh Fringe, that happens a lot. Even with yeah. people who have a good show, they mm. and they get like a good review. Half the time, they still have like an empty Wednesday. I'd feel I'd feel awkward as a as an audience member. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Being, also, do I have to laugh now? <laughs> yeah, like because it would feel so much more personal and like uncomfortably personal doing a routine to you because it's just it just becomes them shouting at you. Do you know yeah, what I yeah, mean about how, about their strange. terrible life? If uh, it, it stops becoming like a funny show without the laughter of others I, and starts did, becoming like a, Winchester to quite a menacing experience, one of the most awkward things ever. Yeah, in which I was just like, this is so awkward. <laughs> like, yeah. But they were enjoying it and they were laughing, but. I could hear yeah. individual laughters. I could pick them out and put them to each yeah. person. Yeah. It was so strange. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, while we're promoting stuff, I will just remind everyone before we leave about our ongoing promotion. If you <laughs> can prove that you're either from or in New Jersey, and we've expanded, New York or Pennsylvania, New York State, that is, or, or the state of Pennsylvania, any of those three, and you will get sent, if you're the first person to prove prove they reside there or are visiting or are from there, any of those, if you can prove to us that is the case uh, by sending a message in to WANK podcast on Instagram or Twitter or WANK wrestling at gmail.com, we will send you a an Anthony Agogo shirt even when one gets released. How about that for a price? <laughs> so maybe never. Still, yeah, maybe never. So. Yeah. That is that is the ongoing competition um, that has highlighted how few viewers, uh, listeners we have, and or how few people give a shit about Anthony Gogo. <laughs> <laughs> the Subway Mad Lad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we kind of had a horrible oh shit moment on the podcast the other week where we realized that even though... So we had like 25% of our total viewers from New Jersey, and we were like... 
We were like sucking off New Jersey, saying we're going to do a New Jersey Appreciation Week. I was going to get a jingle written where where about like last time Joey Janela was on Dynamite or something, and have that as an ongoing segment. And they were like, mm-hmm. "Hang about, there's like there's probably a VPN, <laughs> there's probably a popular VPN server yeah, based in it New Jersey. Be that. Yeah, yeah. Like they might not even all be from America, so." Well, um, we're yeah. we're so out of uh, uh, like like view uh, not not viewers not like we we don't even get spam in yeah, our spam this... folder I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, depressing. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. we don't have an email because I feel like there's already too many ways of contacting Western Bias, and I don't want to <laughs> talk to you. So, <laughs> well, they can contact you by listening. That's how they can engage yeah, with you, yeah. can't they? And you can go really, promote us on yours. They should think of us sort of like Madonna, you know. You know, maybe don't get too close. Maybe we're crazy. <laughs> well with that <laughs> um, that's the end of the show I've enjoyed having you guys and uh, to our 11 listeners or whatever thank you it may you. or may and not be in New Jersey it may or may not be in New Jersey goodbye and good night or good morning wherever you are see ya <laughs>